thoughts, we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Testing, one, two, three, testing. Probably gonna have to delete this, but knowing Amber, he won't. So, uh, hey everyone, welcome to the weekly call. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me start doing it too, okay? uh, dude. Well, if we just did a whole podcast, just only just John, how was your week? <laughs> Amber, how, how was your week? How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling welcome. Not good right now. The week I'm call. so uncomfortable. With Austin, Amber, and John. <laughs> no. 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 Yeah, we're, we're no, no. How, how are you guys doing? This is just a call. This is supposed to be a phone call. Okay, let's not deviate from what the hell this is supposed to be. Okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, this is a, this is a phone call. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so um, we were having a very interesting conversation before the podcast started. Kind of the same thing as last week. We kind of just had to press record and keep going here because the preamble was too, uh, it's too good. Um, I'll, I'll try and catch us up. You guys fill, fill in if you feel like I'm missing anything. We were talking uh, 30 minutes before our podcast recording every week. We have a, a meeting with Merlin, our, our amazing uh, I don't think we ever we have a title for Merlin producer. Is she technically producer? Social media senior executive. executive yes, yeah, senior yeah. executive vice president of operations regarding special projects and human management. Damn, yeah. Merlin, get get your business cards printed. That's a sick title. Um, so we have a thirty minute coaching call with Merlin before the podcast, and uh, she was sharing a I guess an ongoing challenge that she has that i really found that i uh i identify with and uh it's this idea behind being uh never really fully complete and grateful for the actions that you're taking in the moment that are perfectly aligned towards your goal and the management of your day never fully being able to enjoy your day because things come in and plans change but also just your execution of your to-do list isn't as enjoyable as you thought it was going to be. And you're always just trying to perfect and optimize, but you never can get there. And we got to this thing where I said, like, you know, I feel like I, I, I've identified this for myself. And it's this combination of impatience and neuroticism. And how that shows up is that you're always impatient to drive results in your life because you have literally zero patience. So you are never 
willing to stop working. You're never willing to cut it short or kind of mail it in because you're very impatient for the result that's coming. So for example, in business, that shows up with an unrelenting effort towards a certain area in your business, depending on the time of year. And um, how that interacts with neuroticism is that you, within being impatient, you also really want to control as much as you can all variables under that are under your jurisdiction, right? So I'm never willing, really willing to ever hand over the keys to my business to someone for longer than a week and really fully be at peace with that and, and trust them and delegate to them fully because I'm kind of neurotic in that sense. So Amory, you wanted to chime in? Yeah, this is actually something I've been working on uh, to include as a obvious resource for TradeArc. And I think this falls under the category I've titled it is the mindset of delegation. Right. I think to properly... You think it comes back to just delegation, though? Um, I think a, a result of having peace with what you're talking about, uh, a positive tool that you can start using is delegation. As a, If you can control your neuroticism and your impatience, I think your uh, ability to delegate just increases within your business. So when I say I'm unwilling to let, my, let someone run my business for a week, mm-hmm. what you hear is that that's a delegation challenge, right? No, no, that's a mindset thing. Right, but it's under that umbrella of what you're talking about in terms of like unwillingness to delegate and that is a mindset or, or a belief. Yeah, that's like one of the results of, of that mindset not being worked on. Like there's also other effects, like maybe you can't let go of your business completely. Maybe you can't be fully present when you're having dinner with Miranda. You're thinking about different things. Maybe you can't fully enjoy watching the PGA because you're just kind of every like couple of minutes you're checking your email or you're looking over at your phone. These are all like results I think are of, of what you're talking about. And it, and it's something that I've most, most people and, and Patrick put it perfectly because him and I are working on a solution to this is that when you're really good at something, you silently build up an, uh, this, this ego and confidence around it when you get good at something where there's a small part of you that does not believe that somebody else can go through the pain that you went through or that understands the same amount of things than you do because you've gone through it. So therefore, oh, it'd be kind of absurd to just give it away. And then when you, when you, when you, because the thing with it, like, we're talking about two different things here. So I'll just kind of, on right now, what I'm talking about right now is delegation. The reason this, it's also harder for delegation when you're, when you have that little bit of confidence in your own abilities is specifically if you're on a business that's based on your reputation and you don't feel like you have an unlimited amount of work coming your way you you become extra scared it's like a multiplier on that fear where it's like oh mistakes cannot happen and since i am the best operator uh i need to reduce my chances of that downside but i think well, a lot of time it happens and and now i'm just going to go back to this neuroticism and impatience and austin can you just define neuroticism I'd like to define it, and then I'd like to look up the actual definition. Just, see how just it, it actually doesn't matter the real definition, as long oh, okay. as we're all in agreement. What you yeah. mean with neuroticism? Um, because the feeling that was described, and you tell me if this is neuroticism, the feeling that was described by Merlin is that she um, 
we, we all have written tests and written essays and had to submit things on deadlines. Um, the, the, the feeling that was described for these two things that we're talking about is that when you get really close to the deadline, you go into survival mode and then you just like shine, shine through, but you, you do it yourself, right? So um, is that, does that capture neuroticism for yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's also really about control. So I guess that factors into what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Can I, can I ask you a series of questions that you can answer in yes or no? And then if we need to elaborate, we can elaborate. Yeah. Um, how well do you, do you understand the law of the averages? That's a, that's not a yes or no. I would no. say fairly well. Fairly I well. I have a pretty good idea of so, what that is about. So you understand that despite having utmost control of your business, it is inevitable that things will go wrong. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. And on a scale of one to 10, how much do you actually believe that no matter what you do, if you're trying to achieve big goals, things will happen, you'll get a refund request, you'll have an, a job site injury, like these things are inevitable, you can prepare for them. But as you start growing, you're gonna have an upset customer, you will get a one star review. How much of that do you believe is inevitable? Uh- So you're asking me as a percentage, how much do I think my, how much do my you ability changes from another person's ability? How much do you believe? It's very simple. How much do you believe that it is inevitable for these things to happen in your business? Given oh, the, that the it's inevitable. Now? Yes. Uh, well, yeah, of course you're going to get, like, I'm going to get poor results or poor outcome sprinkled in. Right? Okay. Um, and how okay are you? Like how much acceptance have you given to that, 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 that this is inevitable, that it is inevitable that, you know, I would say, have- I would say I've fully accepted that it's inevitable that no matter if I'm in charge or someone else is in charge, that the business is bound to experience negative outcome throughout the year. Yeah. Okay. Um, how on a scale of one to ten, how organized do you feel your your business is or your life is? My business or my life? Both, yeah, yeah, like great, both separately. My business is a I'm gonna say eight point five out of ten organized, maybe a nine depending on the week. Honestly, I would say eight point five to nine at any given moment. You'd like audited it it would be 85 to 90 percent fully organized and predictable um and then my life i would say my life is about a 6.5 maybe a seven seven i'd say okay now what do you think feeds this impatience and neuroticism. I have more questions, but I just want to do a quick check. You want me to answer where I think these come from? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> well, I'm definitely running towards something, but I'm also running from something. So I'm running towards a life that I have envisioned for myself and Miranda and our future kids and I'm running towards that like full tilt that that's what I'm kind of chasing and what this idealistically looks like in terms of 
um, arbitrary uh, dollar amounts that I would need to have saved up in terms of being able to consider myself financially. Uh, well, we I think we've used this term, but kind of a lot on. I think we've come up with a better term internally, but like the word is like financially free, right? Whatever you'd want to. I think we've identified that that what that really means. And yeah, and why why do you want to be why do you want to be financially free? Um, like what well, does that give you that you can't get right now? Um, it gives me the resources to live a life that is fairly large. What is a large life to you? Um, being able to, uh, really it comes down to children, um, in terms of like what I can, what type of opportunity my current actions today provide for generations to come, including my children. So for example, like I have a pretty, and, and this is where I said it kind of feeds into what I'm running from because of the way I was brought up where there was a, just a lot of financial scarcity and, uh, you know, bankruptcy and not a lot of fun yeah. financial times. I, I hate, so I, I hate I, to interrupt. I, I, the, the running from, and I know, like, I think we talked about it last time and we'll come back to it. I'm just, just the, what are you running like kind of towards? Like the running from is actually completely well, I'm, different. I'm, yeah, but I'm saying that what I'm running towards is drastically influenced from what I'm like, you're asking me what, uh, a, a large life looks like and i'm saying it's almost the opposite of what i experienced as a child right so it's like i didn't experience like you know very being very very poor or like homeless or anything to that extent but i would say like it always came down to doing this or that and uh you know like uh going on this school trip with my friends or uh, playing hockey this year or this or that, whatever. Right. And, and my parents loved them to death, obviously. Uh, they were very transparent with it. Right. And always giving me the choice. And I just realized that like, after I've kind of grown up a bit, I would always be like, I really think that the fact that I had to make those choices because we were playing with a finite and limited amount of resources, um, I think there's like a, I have a sense of like missed opportunity or things, uh, how my life maybe could have been different, uh, especially with sport. Right. Um, so yeah. How, like, what would you define as a large life? You said kids. Well, then... I think that like, no matter what my kids end up wanting to do, like whether they, uh, you know, become the, the spelling bee champion of the world <laughs> or like want to pursue mm. something else. I don't know. Just like whatever they deem as being, whatever they're whatever they want to do and whenever they're good at there isn't like a finite there isn't a, a lessened amount of resources that would allow them to you know what's take interesting? that seriously or take it to the next level i have more questions but yeah john you know what's interesting i'm just like as you're saying all of this austin i'm just thinking to myself why is it controversial to say that money brings happiness to some degree yeah yeah i guess that's kind of what i'm trying to say almost like like i'm just gonna come up and say it i'm much happier that i have more money than when i had less money and it's not because of the money per se <laughs> yeah. but i'm but the money is certainly a factor okay like it, i am like i enjoy life having more money than when i have less money like all things being equal 
all things being equal, okay? I enjoy having money. I enjoy having it in my bank account. I enjoy what I can purchase with it. I enjoy investments. I enjoy money. It brings me happiness. I want more of it. And there's no who, who, kind of who, who, who said no, that was controversial. No, it seems like it is though. Does that does that not like when like doesn't that seem like kind of little like risque? I don't know. And not not in it's our not, circle. I don't, John. I don't think it's controversial with this crowd. Okay, but I think it could be gen- controversial in general. I suppose. Anyway, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. So Austin, you're you're running into the future. Because you're running away from something, like we talked about divorce from money, not having things and all that. We talked about yeah, that yeah, and, and the role yeah, money yeah. has. And then you're running towards something that is the opposite. And then when you define a big life, you immediately answered having, giving your kids options. So if they want something, they just, they have the option to do so. The freedom to, is um, that, is that correct? Or did I misunderstand? No, it's, I, I would say like the, the idea is generally there, but it's not fully correct i think i'm more um i just never want to have to look uh my children in the eye and say no to something that actually would be bettering them like you know if that makes sense like i don't want to be declining an opportunity based on uh financials that would actually be a massive uh, okay, so you, do, your son comes sense. to you. Your son comes to you. He's 16. He just got his driver's license. Dad, can you buy me a Mustang? <laughs> Fuck no. Of course not. Why not? That's very different than what I'm describing, dude. Okay, so what no, are you I'm saying? I'm saying, like, um, I, I just, I'm talking about if, like, let's say one of my children ends up being, like, uh, let's say good at sports, okay? And they want to, like, because this is kind of what happened to me almost is like I uh, the way the way baseball works in my like area where I grew up is that it's not really a, a popular sport like there's only really maybe like four or five teams in the whole region of, of Gatineau uh, on the Quebec side so like for you to play competitively if once you get to like 14 you need to play in Montreal like you need to actually drive to Montreal every weekend and play okay question and, uh, how old how old are typically the people who make it to this stage 14 14 okay yeah and so um it just got to a point where i was like really wanting to take it to that next level because i could and then wasn't wasn't in the cards just wasn't possible so let's say one of your kids wants to pursue sports and they're 14 and they have the skill set how much money do you think they would need in support from his or her parents to be able to fully pursue something like that I'm going to say like ten to $20,000 a year. A year? Okay. Yeah. Okay, is that what a big life means to you? Allowing your kids to play sports? Uh, I would say in large part, yes. But there's always things that have come up. Um, you know, I have a child with a disability. I, some, you know, an, an elective but necessary surgery. Like there's all these things that's just like, I, I don't want to ever have to just say, Hey, sorry, the money's not there. Right. Like that's okay. It, it doesn't necessarily need to be sports, but that's a great example. And that's something that I would 
describe that with. Yeah. Okay. And if you like, did you look into what, what how much it costs to raise a kid with a severe disability? Like, did you look into those? I actually numbers? have no idea. I think that's pretty variable depending on that. But okay, yeah. hold on. Can I just pause okay. here? What are we building towards right now? So I'm just trying to understand for for Austin. It seems to me like when you say to me, I'm sacrificing so much of the present because I'm chasing this thing in the future. I just don't know how clear what you were trying to get to is. You know, it's like, what is it that you're trying to do so hard? Because I, I find when you're really impatient or neurotic, it's like you're trying to cha- chase an immeasurable goal and always moving goalposts. Yeah, no, that that is something we spoke about last week, which I... Yeah, but Austin, really... don't you enjoy what you do to some degree? Yeah, of course, man. Yes. Yeah, so then, okay, so I, yeah, I, I, am, I think that... Like that's I don't know maybe I maybe I'm missing something, but well okay no, I, let's, I, I, see. I, let's see let's see if I'm missing something. Hold on, but doesn't there seem to be this massive assumption that one, like I I don't know if maybe I'm missing something here, but isn't the definition of sacrifice sacrificing something of lower quality? Uh, sorry, something of higher quality for something of lower quality. Like so, for example, like like isn't that what a sacrifice is? Like sacrifice, a sacrifice would be like you're giving up something that's good for something that's worse. Um, I don't know if that's true. Well, I don't, when I think sacrifice, I think sacrificing something good for something better. But then why would that be a sacrifice then? Because you're withholding something in the present for something in the future. I suppose, but I mean, there's a lot of other things that you could, there's a lot of other words that would also encompass that that aren't so negative. I don't actually think sacrifice in a negative way. Uh, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe I guess maybe I made an assumption there, but it seems like, that, like the, the line of dialogue that you guys are going down is that there's like something that Amber or that Austin needs to fix. Yeah, here, look, the, the, an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or, or worthy. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Yeah. I'm wrong then. Yeah, so I guess I'll just ask you this, Austin. Like, are you just happy being neurotic and impatient? If the answer is yes, then we can just kind of wrap it up here. But I don't know. I'm happy with what it's gotten me so far. I guess that's not what I asked. Are you happy? Not with what you've gotten. Are you happy with being like? Because this is a whole thing that Merlin was bringing up. It's like she's getting the outcomes that she wants. But every day seems like a chore. Every day seems filled with anxiety. Everything has to be down to is the wire. Is it weird to say? Is, would it be like if I'm being fully honest? Like I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of scared what it would be like to not be that, that way. To, to not, to like not at, be at driven by anxiety and fear. It's not anxiety and fear. It's more like, I am generally imp- like I'm not. Okay, I'm realizing I'm using words that are very misleading. I wouldn't say neuroticism I'm just driven to clarify, by anxiety is, and fear. Neuroticism, just just so we're clear here, is is the uh, presence of negative emotions. Oh yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. That's how you would define. Like that's the actual definition. Uh, of yeah, that. it's a, it's a character trait, right? Uh, in the study of psychology, neuroticism has been considered. Uh, for, uh, well, no, that's not what it is. There's not the definition. There it is. It's uh, associated with distress and dissatisfaction. Mm. Yeah. So it's a, it's 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 effectively like like if they you're feel high dissatisfied. Yeah. If you're high in neuroticism, you're gonna have 
more and when i say negative emotions or negative sensations like those what amber just said would encompass that like uh like anxiety dissatisfaction etc right and it's it isn't it's just a character trait right so it's like when you say like you're high like it's like some people are high in openness some people are low in openness some people are extroverted and some people aren't like and and there seems it's a character trait right i mean and how much you can change that is totally up open for debate and so it seems like you kind of just kind of play the cards you're dealt to some degree i think the word that i'm looking for is autocratic autocratic what's that is um one who controls a person group or system to an unnecessary level of detail or precision <laughs> like a babysitter i'd say that's i would say that's more in line with what i'm saying than neuroticism yeah okay yeah fair enough yeah but it's like, not I, I would still say it's not like a full because the neuroticism is implying that there's like negative yeah that's sensations that's yeah that's what that's what we're talking about this it's like austin mm. I mean, are you happy being autocratic or whatever you word you want to use? Do you are you happy just chasing the future? Like you could be, but I would point to some flaws I would say, with that. Okay, let, let me let me get clear on this. Okay, I'm gonna make this a little bit clearer. I am highly impatient. I'm highly autocratic, and as a result, sometimes based on the people I'm working with and the business I'm in, I start to get neurotic because I can't guarantee outcomes. And I, and I experience like what you said that, um, but it's giving I, you what you want. Like, do you I, enjoy I just, it or I feel like, I feel like we really got to work out the wording here. It's not that you become neurotic. Okay. It's, it's that your neuroticism is showing up in anxiety by the sounds of it. Like a neurotic yes. is, yeah, yeah. Neurotic. Yes. You're, I, I think that, yeah, yeah. So like neuroticism is a character trait that you score on like the same way that like, like that'd be like me be like, yeah, like I've become industrious. It's like, well, kind of, but it's like what, you, what you're saying is like, I'm working hard right now. Right. Is what you is what you mean to say. Right. Or like work yeah. ethic. Right. Yeah. But so like you, you like, are you saying that you're describing is like you get anxious is what you're saying. Right. 100 yeah yeah okay okay so you're gonna be in business for probably the next 20 to 30 years you say you're gonna retire but you're gonna find something else to work on this is what you're gonna be doing are you okay living your life knowing that these traits exist in your life and this is the an inevitability of you living in the business world is that something you're okay with you can be some people are okay with that but i just want to know is that a future well why not it's giving you everything you want The impatience and the impatience I'm okay with. The 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 need. I don't feel like I I desire to be autocratic. I feel like there's a need to be autocratic based on the way. Give me an I example think. where you need to be a micromanager. I wouldn't say I'm a micromanager anymore, though. I, I, I we're gonna get real lost in definitions here. I don't think that autocratic is a micromanager. Can I give my start, my two cents yeah, on this? Sure. Here's like just my point blank. John Morgan just coming with a baseball bat, just fucking up the room. Yeah, kind of <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. From an outside perspective, Austin, I think that to me, it seems obvious why it is that you seek control. And in my opinion, I think it's it's it has to do with your ego 
and that I think that you believe that you possibly are the smartest person in any given room, or that you're the most capable, or that you're the one that should be making decisions. Like it seems like it's very much wrapped up in that sort of mode of like that way of being that hmm. your superior intelligence or, or skill set should be utilized. Like you should be the one making decisions. You should be the, the, the one in control. Like it's, it, I feel like you come from that place a lot. And I feel that. And you, you could also possibly be right. Like in a lot of situations, you probably are the most intelligent person in, in a given room, but I feel like you're coming from that. Like, I feel like you're, you're wrapped up in that, that. And it's interesting because if I behave that way, I never have ever once in my life asked myself, hey, do I think I'm the smartest person in this room? And and answered that question, you know, like, it's not like I've ever consciously said, oh, I'm going to behave this way because I think I'm uh, the smartest person in the room. Okay, awesome. Remember when in in Studentworks where you, when you were like a top performer, you would like. I sit- also don't think. Yeah, I guess I, I have to kind of think about that, but I, I I really appreciate that input, John. It's kind of another angle to look at this from. Austin, Austin, can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Do you remember? All three of us have experienced this. Do you remember that feeling you feel when like you were like number one in the leaderboard? Or like you go to like a sales conference and you're like flooded with people asking you questions or like with student works. What's that yeah. feeling in your, in your gut? Like, do, do you have a, like, can you think about that feeling? I can, I can feel it when it comes up. I, I would, I have a label for it, but before I say, it, I just want to know, do you have that feeling in your stomach? Do you get that feeling? Like Did, when you have, start, I gotten it in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have you experienced that? Do you remember a time where, where you were truly undoubtedly the king of the room? where you actually were the man of praise, where you had some of the answers. Do you remember a time where you felt that and, and the emotion that that incited from you physically? Yeah. Do you remember? Okay, okay, cool. So that feeling, how often do you feel that feeling or fractions of it in your business, the Rydell office? Well, hold on, what's the feeling? Sorry, hold on. Yeah, describe that. Because I mean, I, I'm just... Yeah, that, to, to me, that feeling is just like a... Just, utmost pride and being proud of like yeah like like really appreciated or proud yeah oh okay interesting okay what do you feel john total anxiety anxiety okay cool yeah like not 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 actually actually, that's not total anxiety mostly anxiety surrounding the idea that i don't actually believe that it's true like at all yeah, but but that but it's that's kind of like a layer on top of that pride. It's like there's that no, pride no, no, that comes no. Yeah, I feel that as well. No, no, no. There's no pride. There's 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 no pride. Like because I, you just get scared. No, I I think it's just a misframing of the situation. Yeah, so I agree with yeah. that. But but you don't think you've ever slipped into that once where you felt some pride, like oh man, like I built this, like you know this year we're gonna do this much money, like oh like I'm. It's not the first thing that came to mind when you said okay, cool. when you're in the room and everyone's looking up to you. That's not what first came to my mind. Okay, cool, cool. Um, Austin, did you get something similar from my diagnosis or more of John's? I would say like uh, the or first year. Uh, I, I would say honestly the first year or two that that was happening, I was way more in line with what John was saying. I honestly thought like me speaking to people about business was almost like a disservice to them like an imposter yeah i felt yeah. that too yeah yeah and then as time went on yeah yeah i'm just under as, like yeah man i just went door to door yeah as time yeah exactly as time <laughs> yeah, went yeah. on 
Um, <laughs> and I was able to replicate similar success with different people in different business models. I, I then felt like I had pride. Okay, cool. How often, and this might be difficult because this may have been in your blind side this whole time, but how often do you feel that pride in your day to day? Um, you mean now? Yeah. I would say definitely, I would say the biggest drop was from my second last year to my last year of student works more than from when I was in student works to Rydell. Definitely. Yeah. That makes sense. The, the reason yeah, I asked, I guess, but I would say less like to answer your question. Less. Yeah. But there's a fraction of it. That, that was my question is like, do you still experience fractions yeah, of that yeah, feeling? Yeah. 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 So to me, I'm, I always keep tat of that feeling. Cause that's like probably in my opinion, one of the most dangerous feelings. Interesting. Um, it, I think it does nothing but hinder because it, cause it causes blindness and overconfidence in oneself. And, you, and it usually in my life when I felt that, I'd end up being humbled by a good friend or a specific result in my business. Um, hmm. And I, I can just tell you, given your position and what you do, pride is a thing that I think you have to be very careful of because – like for myself specifically, uh, I don't know about your situation. I can just speak for myself. When I when I have a lot of people that praise, they, I get a lot of praise in my private Facebook group. I got a lot of people jumping on calls, telling me about the good results in their business. I get amazing reviews. I get like just a couple of days ago, a guy joined the program. Three days later, he told me he got his money's worth. I got another referral from Student Works from like an old alumni. It's her boyfriend. Pride always is creeping up on me. Always. And I always have to like try and humble myself, meditate on it, remind myself about the inputs that I have. And um, I think what John is pointing to is. And so you're saying that pride almost makes you sick or blind. It really towards, does. Yeah. Towards the ability to subtract yourself out of the equation. In you don't, your current business. Is it's a, it's a, when you have a lot of pride, it's kind of like putting on a pair of glasses where you, you know see what? the I world not as it really is. Photo of this. I actually, so I bought, I bought this the other day because I thought it was just the perfect representation of it. Pride is a fucking interesting thing that humans feel. And I don't know if other, I don't know if like beasts or animals do. And I have a photograph of a, a wolf that had just finished eating a deer and it's, I love the photo. I have it in my office. And the reason why I love it is because if you, I mean, I mean, obviously there's a bit of speculation here of like what the wolf is feeling, but I don't look at the wolf and see like he's looking at the camera and being like, I'm so proud. He's focusing on the next fucking thing. So right, let me show you this. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, I actually, fuck. It's weird how these things happen. After John shows you this photo, I'm going to play this uh, soundbite of Conor McGregor that I found on the internet this week. Yeah. Damn. Like, yeah. are you seeing pride in that? I see focus. Yeah. It's like you, that, that he just found his next target. Yeah. 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 It's a cool photo. We'll, we'll Merlin, if we can upload that on the, on the Instagram somehow, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Thank John, you. In advance. Yo, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to play you guys this Conor McGregor soundbite. And, uh, it's weird how aligned this is with what we're saying. Can you screen share? 
Uh, it's just a soundbite. That's all good. That's, that's even better. You stare at your past, and you'll end up staying there. It's okay to look back and admire it, but you carry on. People say a loss can make or break a fighter. But trust me, a win can also make or break a fighter, because they get comfortable with a, with a, with a win. People can get comfortable with a, with a win. And, and slack off then. Slack off on the training. Slack off on the diet. They've won one. They're winners now. That's not me. You, know, you, sleep, on a, you sleep on a win, and you wake up with a loss. So I just carry on. You sleep on a win and you'll wake up with a loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was like an unfortunate amount of background music in that, but did yeah. you guys get that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I, if we were to, if we were kind of like build an analogy, I feel like ego is only fueled or partly fueled or somewhat fueled by pride. Pride is, Yo, the, is the fuel wanna, to ego. I just want to point out the fact that you guys have created alignment that I now agree with fully between ego and pride and impatience and neuroticism slash being autocratic the fact that you guys have yeah. created that like being like they're 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 comorbid they are they exist together they, they cannot do. exist without each other technically right yeah. like psychologically they can't exist without each other i never saw that not even a little bit yeah i, I feel like impatience plays into that because the more impatient i felt it's kind of i kind of sensed that i was so arrogant that the even the revolving and the rotation of earth was too slow for me to be satisfied that just like it's like come on man really think about it if you're impatient for the rotation of earth bro what the hell no think about it if you're impatient for a specific result you're just kind of (laughs) like Oh man, like I need, I just need the world to fast forward. If you've yes. ever wished to fast forward until you received an email or got a text back from a customer, you're just kind of saying, oh, just the way people think and move and behave and the very nature of things is just too slow for you. It's just, yeah. Well, it's very centric, okay? Well, where do you go from here then? I, I agree with you. And yeah. I say, like, okay, I, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that my ego and pride play into my need to be in control and um, also being impatient. Uh, where do I go from here? Re- reread ego is the enemy, I guess. Um, that's what I did. Um, meditate more. That's you know, I mean, uh, John, I, uh, I think it's basically impossible to have a ton of pride or a huge ego if you're constantly learning new things. Yeah, there's a, that, that's another one. Yeah. I'm just now humbled uh, by like Warren Buffett. I'm just yeah. starting to, to notch down on, on these videos. Like John, uh, recommended a couple episodes ago to listen to the Berkshire Hathaway annual meetings, 200 hours of just like the driest stuff. But to me, it was literally more entertaining than music because I'm like, whoa, like literally every question, here's this guy who solved most of my problems. Here is this guy who has thought about and read most more books than maybe, maybe mm. than I'll ever be able to learn. And here he is laughing and dancing and drinking a Coke. It's like, well, that's just crazy to me. That's like, obviously, I'm missing something here. 
obviously I'm missing something. And a lot of people underestimate. They think um, I'm starting to pick up a trend on these meetings. A lot of the people ask Warren Buffett a lot of tactical questions about finances, around the stock market, around businesses. They're very tactical questions. But you keep forgetting that I think Warren Buffett and um, and Charlie Munger have utmost control over their ego. And I think they have achieved peace within the present. Because Warren Buffett at one point, multiple times, uh, actually criticizes managers who optimize to maximize their compensation. He says those aren't the best. And he even criticizes modern finance theory. And modern finance theory says the main goal of a manager is to get as much return to the shareholders as possible. And him and Charlie just absolutely ridiculed that way and that philosophy of running a business. And here's these guys that I think their mindset, I think they've achieved a level of peace with who they are and the mistakes that they make. I mean, look, look up Warren Buffett's mistakes. He has billion-dollar mistakes. And, and look at their attitude and look at their overall demeanor. And that's what you pick up from these shareholder meetings that you can't pick up on the letters. It's, their, it's the way they view things. It's the way they never look down on a, ba- uh, on a bad question or a question that is repeated. It's their inability not to judge their competitors, to stay focused when the entire market is saying they are wrong. They still stick to their guns. To do that successfully, to consistently be a, a successful money manager for over 60 to 70 years, it's, it's, it's that chapter eight that he keeps referring to. John, chapter eight of which book again? The called? Intelligent Investor. The Intelligent Investor. And what's chapter eight called? I think it's called Mr. Market. Mr. Market. Every single time when asked about the secret, he always somehow mentions chapter eight. And in there, it's all about managing yourself, sticking to your guns, and then really just understanding. And John knows this, this stuff way better than I have. He's probably read it more than I. But it really is about managing yourself. And you know, John called me the other day where he was experiencing a little bit of that, where it seems like the whole market is just making bad decisions. And he's like, man, like I'm just a what an interesting time in my life to be mentally prepared and financially prepared to take advantage of this opportunity. And, um, right. That this is kind of where I find myself. It's like, I'm not just playing this consulting game for this year. I'm trying to play this for 20 years, 30 years. I really, really want to be the best. And to do that, I just have to keep learning from people who give better advice than I do, who've solved bigger problems than I have, who withstood way bigger emotional tolls, who have been, put on way bigger pedestals, but yet remain focused and consistent. And I think, I think Austin, yeah. Um, yeah, man. I, I think also meditation helps too. Like I, I, John, I can't, well, it's can't help, I can't, but also add that. And I, and I'm surprised you didn't even mention that. I'm realizing that I made a, a choice about, about two years ago made a choice when I decided that I was going to, and it's really strange that this, how this exists almost as a pendulum because made a choice about two years ago that I was going to finish my master's degree, run a half million dollar business and break the record uh, with student works while also DMing a million dollars worth of business. And uh, the only thing I came short of is the DMing to- total amount. I think we were at like 965 or something, it's like 35K short. Um, and in order to do that, I made some pretty massive sacrifices. 
uh, barely saw my family, saw my friends, maybe a little bit less than I wish I, I, I should have. Uh, my relationship with Miranda kind of got put into like reactive mode. She was a huge help in, in helping me attain those three things too, like I've said many times before here. But I essentially took all my free time that I was investing in exercising and reading and like learning new things, right? I just essentially said, let's put that on pause for eight months and let's try and, you know, run it up. <laughs> and I did it for the, like, you know, I, I guess I was a bit short on the third one, but on the, on, on the whole, I, I was very happy. Like I, you know, I, I, I did it. Um, and then I transitioned to Rydell and I didn't really realize that I had kind of kept working that way. And I stopped reading, stopped meditating, stopped learning new things. And that humility uh, and that humbleness, really, the ability to be humble and also because, John, I do agree with you, the ability to manage your ego is completely correlated to your how many, how many new things you learn every day or every week. I do fully agree with that. And I'm realizing that over the past two years, the amount of new things that I've learned um, willingly, like obviously I've learned a lot over the last two years, but it's different than when you sit down to actually invest into learning something new. Like it has nothing to do with something that you need to learn for work or something that well, you need to do. Right. But I'm just saying that like, I'm seeing there's a correlation between <clears throat> that and like the pendulum has kind of swung the other way. Cause before that I would say I was reading like maybe an hour a day. Like I was reading a lot. Yeah, go ahead. Per me? I said go ahead. You were going to say something. Oh, um. Well, hold on. <laughs> no, you were mid-sentence. I, 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 I'm not. Oh, maybe you were lagging a bit for me because I was saying something and then you were going to, you were going to say, well, and then. You oh, I might be lagging. Yeah, because I was like, I was going to say something and then you kept going and then I, yeah. So yeah, there might be a lag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no worries. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, well, I was going to comment on that. Get that getting. Not only is it that you're trying to learn things, but also getting feedback on the things that you're learning. Because, so, like when you're trying to learn something, if you're not getting feedback, I think it's incredibly easy to get overconfident about how well your learning's going. Uh... Yeah. But then some things don't have like some things have longer like some things have really short feedback loops. Some things have longer feedback loops, right? So getting feedback on uh, on something I think is it's humbling when you first start out because you realize you know like you very you know and so you're a bit so like if you have a like if you have a huge ego and you're trying to learn something and you're getting feedback, it's naturally the feedback when you first start is you need to improve because you just started at something right it's not like it's normally the feedback yeah. is here's what you're doing wrong and here's how you can improve upon it or here's the mistakes you made and here's how you can learn from them etc right or right so it's if you have that ego right so but but then if you think about it i think a part of what your ego wants you to do is not learn anymore because it doesn't want to have it because it's like like e e like ego is the enemy of learning right and so I think if, if ego, so I already know this, it's a waste of time. Yeah, it's yeah, a, I already know ego, what I need to know. Yeah, totally. Ego wins if you stop learning. Right. But, but, but it's ego weird because I never actively made that decision. Learning. Yeah. It's weird. Just cause like, I agree with what you're saying fundamentally. And in my head, I never actively made the decision to not do that. If that makes sense. Right. 
It's yeah. just like over time, my my actions have spoken for me, really, right? Like, yeah, totally, right. And 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 it's it's interesting because I would say probably my favorite part about talking to you guys each week is that you're able to align those two things where they're completely blind to me, right? Like I don't see how my choices of my actions or behaviors over a certain period of time have actually chosen something for me fully, right? Like they've chosen this path of like actually becoming slightly more prideful and egotistic. But if you were to ask me, Oscar, are you, are you investing into becoming more egotistic? I'd be like, no, of course not. (laughs) Right. Like I've never actively made that choice. And I realized that, man, it's, it's, it's what you don't see that really haunts you, you know, like what you, what slips through the cracks and what, what you end up just kind of actually deciding on as a result of how you've acted and who you've been like it, it you got to think, right? Like when you drive in, and this is an extreme example, but I was talking, I was talking to Miranda about this because like she, there's this, there's this way to get home from where we go sometimes that you have to drive past uh, this, this really big homeless shelter. And there's uh there's some pretty, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I would say just scary looking people. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's always begging me not to go that way. Cause it really like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Kind of, I think it kind of scares her. I mean, it makes me a bit uncomfortable depending mm-hmm. on what you see, but like, uh, and I was like, we were talking about this and we we're like, do you think they've actually, none of these people were like, Oh, I'm going to choose to do this. Like, it's just their actions over time spoke for them. Right. Do you remember the, uh, that like, I'll see if I can maybe find this. But do you guys do you guys remember like that that little paragraph I wrote about the king? Do you remember that? Vaguely, maybe. I'll see if I can find you it. You read it's so about... many great things on here, I forget. I don't know. No, 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 no. Like I wrote it myself. Let me just see if I can find this. Um. Yeah, I gave it, but it was it, it was talking about that about how I was talking about this king, and I was describing it as if it was a king, right? But then at the very end, I kind of broke the 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 um i kind of broke the at the very end i've kind of broke the news that it, he was actually a a homeless person uh, let me see here. oh well yeah spoiler alert Jeez, could have relived that no let me just see um let's see i'm gonna quickly go to the bathroom while you look for that but Amber, sing us a song no okay yeah here's i mean i i here's the letter that i wrote so it's like today i observed i'll pause the bathroom break here today i observed a king of sorts this man's subjects all gathering around him hanging on his every word none of which i heard women surrounding him clearly addicted to whatever he was supplying and willing to do whatever it takes to indulge in his supply this king was a large man with undeniable confidence he walked with a sway with one shoulder lower than the other his hand spoke more than his mouth guiding each of his subjects' eyes from left to right. The following, the followers slept on the sidewalks, gathering what scrapes they could for their king, or scraps. I imagine even resorting to begging to make their king happy. The entire city block was this king's kingdom, and I'm certain no one challenges his claim. I wonder if this man dreamed of being a king when he was a child. If so, whether or not he thought it would be as it is. Did this man get what he sought after? What kingdom am I trying to conquer? Will I one day be looked at in pity, such as I did towards this so-called king? He was a homeless person that was a drug dealer. Wow. I don't get the point of the story. It's that 
dude, this guy, he's the king, man, of this fucking of this land. Like, like, like everything I just described was factual, other than the fact that he's a drug dealer who's, you know, probably homeless. Like this guy, it, like I, I observed this when I was walking down the street. Uh, similar to similar to but you uh, wrote this right yeah i wrote that yeah but, but in, uh, in the poem does it allude to the fact that he's homeless maybe i missed this no it doesn't no it doesn't but i'm saying but i'm saying that guy was a drug dealer downtown Kelowna, right the guy that i was describing you know what would be amazing john i think you should figure out a way to publish that and title it the homeless man yeah well but what's interesting though is that so but this guy, like he, you know, he he had the same confidence as a Wall Street CEO, right? He had, you know, everything like it was all the same, just a different, just a different floor on this tower. Yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? yeah. You know, he's they're they're on the back street and they're not on Wall Street, but it's the same. It's the same. It's all the same ego. It's all the same everything, right? Mm. You know, these people the, vying the, for his attention. It was everything was the same. The, this was something I was reflecting on on the topic of of ego is and this is the the question that i'm trying to find the answer to is do you think it is um do you think do you think it's very easy to grow your ego if you're playing the social game okay so let me elaborate on the social game i think different people play different games um i think most of us on this call primarily as a percentage play the financial game the wealth game the business game um i think other people aren't playing that game. They're playing more of a social game where right. to win, it's either having being popular, good looking, most followers, whatever that looks like. Yeah, what a great question. Wow. So, and I was absorbing this because I was, uh, I went out on Friday night and I went to this, uh, this bar in downtown Toronto. Uh, it was just me and my friend. We just wanted to hang out and I was like, hey, why don't we just go downtown? It's a, there's a little bit of chaos, a little bit of loud noises, a lot of energy. It's just a, just a funny environment to be in. Uh, but the main goal was just for us to relax with each other. And we're sitting in this bar, and there's this table next to us with, like, three dudes who are sitting. And I kid you not, every, like, four minutes, either, like, a group of girls or a group of guys would come and say hi to these three guys every four minutes for the next three hours. And I'm like... This is fascinating. They, they, they're like as popular as like any celebrity, but they're not taking photos with them. They're just saying, hey, what's up? And then like this, uh, you know, this guy comes along. He like joins our table, you know, um, and he happened to know these people. I'm like, oh, like, who are these? Like, who are these guys? They're like, they look like our age. Um, look normal, but obviously seemed like the waitress was giving them attention all the waitresses and bodyguards right. would come and give them extra attention. Like, who are these guys? Right. These guys happen to be investors in this bar I was in, as well as restaurant owners in one of, like, the fancier restaurants in Toronto. Mm. And I'm like, that's so interesting. You know, that's, that's, um, if, if, and then I thought of you guys instantly. I'm like, if, if me, Austin, and John were raised in a different environment, where we're still playing the business game, but we just happen to be investors in restaurants, would we be out and about in our own restaurants? Or would we see that as a distraction to our ultimate goal of maybe bettering the restaurant or, or whatever? And then, and then it got me thinking, and it was like, everybody that we asked about those people would gossip about those people. They would like say something like, oh, it's like daddy's money or something like that, just like trying to put them down. And then to tie this to all together, I was thinking about 
gossip. I'm like, okay, like, um, uh, in my experience, I found like a lot of women in my social circle like to gossip a lot, a lot more than some of the, my guy friends. My guy friends gossip all the time. It makes sense. But women like to gossip more. And I'm like, why is that? And then I figured it out. When you're playing the social game, which most girls just play the social game, they can't play the financial game or they, they play whatever other games. But I think by default, most women play the social game. It's like, oh, who's married to who? What's his job? What's his, uh, what car? What, what wallet? Like my mom plays that game, for example. It's like, how, how prestigious are you, quote unquote? The best, the, the main currency to the, the social game is, it's kind of like your reputation or how you're perceived in a social hierarchy. Reputation plays a part in business, I agree. But in the social life, that's very, very big. And guess what is the biggest weapon you can use to tear down somebody's reputation yeah, or position okay, in a social hierarchy? Gossip. Amber. So my question is, if you play the social game, uh, are you basically signing up to building some sort of ego because that ego is necessary to build a social to win in the social game? Well, Amr, just hold on. If, if the social game is is interchangeable with mating strategy, then I agree with what you just said. Mating strategy included, yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay, yeah, because it's 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 just well known that the females use gossip as a mating strategy, and men tend to not as much, right? Females will downplay their competitors and you know whether it be they'll purposely talk shit about a guy so that people don't go after him so that they can or vice versa they'll talk down a female in front of males that they actually do want you know like they're talking down their competition and males on the other hand tend to focus more on let's say resource acquisition or you know posturing right yeah yeah I agree with that. But but my, my question to you, John, is like, do you think it's possible? I, I guess maybe you answered it, but I just want to double check. Do you think it's possible to play? The, no, no, it is possible. Anything's possible. Um, do you think it's extremely easy to fall into the trap of building an ego as you play the social game on being popular? That's the social game. The goal is to be popular, to be cool. I'm trying to think if there, if, because like the reason why I might disagree with it, that it's not extremely easy, is that I think it might be a component of it. Oh, what, what do you mean by that? Like, because you're, you're making it seem like it's, they're not the same thing. Oh, okay. Then, then, oh. Uh. How so? Well, you're saying it's extremely easy to fall into ego while playing the social game, whereas I would argue that playing the social game is egotistical. Oh, okay, good. Okay, so yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so, like, okay, so, like, okay, so, like, so like, that's why I'm saying I don't think it's extremely easy. I think it's required. Like, so it's not like a wow. So it's even more extreme of a view than than it's like it's it's like tied together. It's like tied by the hip. Yeah, that's my question. So. That's my question. Is is how how correlated is that with with one another? Well, okay, so here's the thing, right? I mean, this is where, you know, if you go back to Warren Buffett, this is kind of where you, you come back to the idea. It's like, 
is Warren Buffett really playing the social game? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. So he, he okay. would be taking on every interview, every TV yeah, show. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he just does it for fun. I don't, yeah, I don't think that he's playing the social game. I think that he's doing what he loves, and I think that people effectively request to hear him speak. And in you know, he he views himself as a teacher, and he's willing to do so. But I, I wouldn't say that he's playing quote unquote the social game. And and if you read his biographies, it's pretty interesting to actually read about the times where he kind of was had social situations forced upon him through his friendship with Catherine Graham at the Washington Post. Super interesting because, you know, Catherine would throw these uh, very elaborate dinners and have all these different politicians or other business people or et cetera. And it was just really interesting to have Warren Buffett at these dinners. But he was sort of lost because it's like, again, I think that Warren Buffett has such a lack of ego in a lot of ways that he wasn't very he, he couldn't play the social game because it, it's it, like, what, it, what do I do here? Am yeah, I supposed to lie when he it's asks like trying me to play like golf. Him, yeah. Yeah, it's like trying to play golf without clubs. It's like you just end up throwing the ball down the down the range right it's just yeah. not it's not the same thing right so yeah. and austin i really really wish you didn't step away from this conversation because this this is all pointing to one question to literally i'm you. sorry Emmer. i just figured i shouldn't urinate in on camera here well basically no. what you what you missed was a super vital point basically we were talking about how fuck <laughs> you were in the podcast well, what no but what what Emmer at all <laughs> what Emmer had asked was you know do you think it's extremely easy to fall into an ego trap when playing the social game and i said well i don't yeah. think it's I don't think so because I think that it's 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 not the right question because I I I think that to play the social game it is to be like is to play is to be egotistical to some way right because you're you're looking for social approval right and then I and I use the example of Warren Buffett where I don't think he's playing the social game I don't think he's seeking other people's approval I think people request his time because you know he enjoys being a teacher and he wants to give back value etc but I don't think that he's like trying to like have like, I. I never get the impression that he's looking for approval of his ideas. Like he's willing to share them. Right. right. And, um, and, and whatever people may do with that, those ideas, that's up to them or what they think of them. That's up to them. Like he has just, he has no ownership over that part of it. Correct. Right? Yeah. Whereas that's a different thing than trying to like climb your way up a social ladder and try and like get to the top of that. And you know, whatever yeah. that may entail. So, yeah. so here, here, so awesome. What do you think about that? hypothesis that john and i are making that it is quote nearly impossible to play the social game without it inflating your ego okay again what i'm talking about just so amber just so that you and i are on the same page here when you're saying social game i'm also talking about the mating game correct yes yes okay yes okay yes. but 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 yeah those yeah I really need you to ruminate on this. Like if this is, I, I want to know your opinion on this. I actually think you guys are talking about two different things. Like you're talking about Amor, you're talking about, are you trying to get to the top of the social hierarchy in your friend group town or city? Right? Like these guys sitting next to you in that bar. I would say, yeah, that's going to be highly rooted in ego. And then John is coming in and saying, well, hold on, there's actual social aspects to succeeding in business and in, and in the mating arena, right? So never, He never be... mentioned business. He never mentioned business. No, I, I'm, saying, I'm saying that to, I think the reason why people climb the social ladder is to be a better mate. Got it, got it, got it, got it. 
Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Like men, yeah. and, and men I'm going to say only climb the because... social ladder through business, like through business, because it's yeah. it's, it's a very clear. But it's way a side of... effect, though. But it's a yeah, side. It's effect. a side effect. Yeah, business. Okay, but I'm going to say is a side effect of us trying to fuck. I'm going to say. <laughs> no, I'm saying podcast. I'm saying it the other way. Like capitalism if you're running, is, <laughs> capitalism is <laughs> capitalism is just what capitalism is just what happens Dude. when you let men do their thing. Sure. Yeah. But I'm even saying what's also a side effect is like if you're really, really good at what you do, like accumulating wealth, you're an expert at your field. A side effect is you automatically climb the social ladder, but you don't actually have to do any effort like Warren Buffett. He he has access to the president if he really wanted to, but he doesn't exercise that. He climbed the social game, the social ladder completely like without any actual effort. And that's why his ego isn't inflated. It's a side effect of his financial success. Austin, I need to know your thoughts. I'm going to say, because I've, what I'm relying on here are the insights that I learned during while taking Gad Sad's class on the evolutionary roots of our behaviors in the marketplace, right? Evolutionary, it's evolutionary psychology and consumer decision-making. That's his, that was his course. Probably my favorite course I've ever taken in university. And we really pick apart how people behave based on their evolutionary, the evolutionary roots of their behaviors, right? And, and one of the, biggest ones is your desire to reproduce right and so your desire to reproduce is just an innate behavior that you're going to always act in line with because you're looking to seek a mate right socially speaking i think that i get your point ammer but to expect the population to work towards a reality where their assets speak louder than their ability to rank socially i mean good luck right like i i get your point and i almost i want to believe you and i want to side with you as much as this is like a pick a side thing but like i just want to make sure we're talking about the right thing my hypothesis and i'm not trying to make a point this is not leading to any this is just as it exists as a sentence okay do you think that if you play the social game you are inevitably feeding your ego. Yes. Okay. Here's my question to you, Austin. And this has baffled me for a while, and I've finally been able to put into words. Okay. You already have a mate. Why do you still play the social game if you do? I don't think I do play the social game. Okay, good. Like, what makes you think that? Well, I guess we're talking about two different things now. We're talking about, like, generally speaking, and then we're also talking about me. So, um, I don't care about the general, just you. Well, sorry, I guess maybe I spoke too fast. I'm thinking about, do I I act socially in order to impress other mates? No, I I don't. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, okay, then yes, then, then yes, then yes. Then yes what? Then yes, I still play the social game. Why? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Cause I guess I value people 
like I would like people to like me more <clears throat> more than I would like them not to like me. There's this interesting thing, like we've kind of mentioned this a few times in the podcast, but like like if people speak bad about an emerald, does it change the intrinsic value of an emerald, right? I think that the reverse of that is quite present in a lot of people's lives where they think that if if they get more approval from individuals, that will affect their intrinsic value, right? Like I think that there's there's sometimes there's a there's there's this there's this it's present in, in a lot of people's lives where they believe that if they can get more approval, the quality of their ideas will improve, right? Not real not realizing that the, yeah. the quality of your of your actions or your ideas or your beliefs, et cetera, are unreal well, not unrelated, but um are not impacted by people's approval. Like whether or not people approve of your ideas Correct. does not actually change the, the quality of the idea. Yeah. And it's also possible to have bad ideas that have great approval. And it's also possible literally for the whole world to not believe something that absolutely is the case, right? Yeah. And the reason I bring this up, Austin, is because th- th- you, your actions, given your answer, are in complete and utter contradiction to all these sacrifices that you're doing of trying to run to that end goal. If you are optimizing for financial wealth, the best way to do so is through sheer and utter focus and playing that one game as much as possible. When you choose to play, to spend 10%, 5%, 2%, 20% of your time playing the social game, to me, it just seems like a distraction that also happens to grow your ego. Okay, now, I agree with you. I want to I wanna maybe define what it what it looks like when i play the social game so yeah that's why i'm getting lost on this one so what does it look like like if you were to look at my life the best of your knowledge how do i currently play the social game like with my time well i'll I'll just ask you like how often do you take actions um that either just make you that that are the main purpose of that action is for you to look better or to look good for some people I mean, maybe I'm really blind to this. No, I'm investigating. Part... I'm investigating. Okay, okay, here. but I actually don't. I'm. I'm. <laughs> this is my first time, so you know, be easy on me. <laughs> I only work. Here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Apart from like, maybe. Wait, you did know, you like just shaving? hit us with a whole like virgin pitch? <laughs> no, 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 no. And no. Um, that's that's. It sounded like that. For me. No, 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 no. I, I'm pretty sure Austin just hit us with Dude, the whole... Dude, don't like, ruin the joke, okay. John. You're, you're just a, you know... Jeez, you're going to get us canceled. Um, I missed it, so I don't he's, know. He, Austin said to you, it's my first time, be easy. Oh, oh that's pretty cool. Yeah. No, but I... <laughs> um, Wait. Apart from shaving and choosing what clothes to wear in terms of, like, maybe looking a bit better than I could... Um, 
that's fine. I think that's totally fine. You know, like I, I okay, so let me, don't know. Okay, let me, let, let me just a, okay, let me just ask you different questions. In, 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 or Amber, you might be trying to force something. No, upon the situation. no, I'm not. I don't think I <laughs> am. This might, this might be Amber. I don't know. I'm not. This might be square hole round. You know, like round, okay. If you know, that's like, if that's the case, if it is a square hole round peg, then we will we will get through this with no problem, like, and I can get some peace of mind. But you also are missing like the corners. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm just trying to get some peace of mind here, because because. Just please. This is very important okay, 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 for me okay. as a friend. No, no, but Amor, I see your original point, by the way. There is okay, cool. You see there hold on, yeah. hold on. Over the past month, I just want to know. And maybe this I, I have an opportunity here to like work on my specific view on certain things. And this is I might take something away from this. But over the past month, how many actions have you over the past month? We'll just get more minute over the past month. How many like stories have you posted on like Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook? Mm. How many posts have you made on Instagram or Facebook over the past yeah. month? Yeah, Austin, when I'm reading uh, Meta's annual report, are you a daily active user or are you a monthly active user? I'm just kind of wondering yeah, where you yeah. fall into that. Yeah, um, that is my question. Well, I would say I'm a daily user of the app. I spend about, I would say, I think my screen time says I spend about 30 minutes a day on there, which is what my time limit is. Um, but the last post I made on Instagram, I think, was in, like, March. What about a story? Uh, can you see your recent stories? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, you can. I'll look this up. Um. When was the last Instagram story I posted? The 14th of May. Okay, today last week. 20, today's the 22nd of May. I posted an Instagram story about the Maple Leafs blowing their game seven. Ha ha. No, that, that's fine. But wh <laughs> so, why? Sorry, Leafs fans. That was painful. But Okay, well, what else did you post in May? Actually, I posted uh, an Instagram story about listening to Gadsad's podcast. Okay, why? <laughs> um, dude, Austin, dude, like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? <laughs> yeah, why, dude? No, what no, the no, hell? no. I'm, dude, just, Amber, I'm actually, you know, no, it's just, know, no, just Amber, allow it. Just allow no, it. No, no, I'm not even going to allow this. Do you know, um, I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember I, I uh, like, I, so I went to this coffee shop. I, I used to read at Starbucks a lot before COVID. I think you guys remember this. And, there was this one guy that would come in and he was like just way too philosophical where every time I talked to the guy, the why question, like it was, it, there was just like, every time there was a, uh, an answer, there was another question that came up and Amber, I think we might be kind of falling into that where, no, that was the first time I asked why that was the first no, time. I, I know what no, you're no, getting but, to. I know where you're getting to. I just generally want to know just this question. It's like, Austin, I know, but I, I can't. I'm not leading anywhere. The last hour, I'm, I've been thinking. No, I'm doing it. I'm doing a good audit. I'm hour. doing a good audit of my of my behavior here. From looking through my old Instagram stories, like I would say it's mostly about sports. Um. Then I shared something about Elon Musk loving Twitter or uh, buying Twitter. Sorry. And then I I shared stuff like um like I posted a photo of my like the box of my Whoop strap. You know, and just wrote like. Uh, oh, this one's interesting. Oh, okay, right? this is interesting. Oh, that's super fascinating. Because now I'm Wait, like, what's that? Now about? I'm like, I'm looking. A whoop strap is like a Fitbit, essentially. No, 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 no. Are you like an like investor an in the company or something? 
No, I was just like super excited that I finally got it because it was like on back order for like four months. Super interesting. So, because I could see like if you were an investor in the company and you're like, hey guys, no, I like, got my new whoop, you know? No, I know, but I'm not. So now I'm looking at that. I'm hmm. like, yeah, that's definitely social. That, that one's super interesting. Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing a deep dive here. Um, any ass photos? Post any ass photos? <laughs> of my ass? Yeah, how many ass photos have you taken? Yeah, you, well, um, yeah, sure. I mean, it could be your ass, Miranda's ass. I don't know. How many photos of Miranda's ass have I posted on my Instagram story? Zero, actually. Some guys maybe do. True, I guess. Yeah, I guess some guys do. Um, other than that, it's just like... How many photos stuff? do you have of you wearing uh, loafers with dress pants that are like maybe four inches too short that are like pretty tight in the thighs? and a white dress shirt maybe with even like a cross uh, hanging very out. few i would say probably zero but okay. let me i post a lot of photos of instagram stories of golf uh hockey stuff sports stuff funny stuff yeah like that whoops the strap thing was the only thing that actually stood out yeah here, here's, yeah, how, here's how i see it and it's like i, I might be just wrong but People naturally, whether subconsciously or subconsciously, want to try to win in any game that they play. And in my opinion, Instagram is the sandbox where you can play the social game. And, and you can contribute to it through posts and stories. And you can, you can opt that that social game by maybe um, posting things yeah. that you really Instagram deeply care about. Instagram literally is just the most efficient way of playing the social game. Isn't that what it really okay. is? Yeah. yeah, it gives you, give, you have a currency, that's your followers, feedback, you have your playground, the there's likes, feedback, there's comments. comments. Yeah. Where I'm getting all this, by the way, is I, I read um, Dan Bilzerian's book, The Setup, and he talks about playing that game on purpose, playing the social game to win. Like he was optimizing for max, the maximization of sex. And the way you do that is you you have to get like famous. You have to win some part of that social game. And I'm just actually curious if Austin, you spend some actual time thinking what where is your behavior coming from? And when you post about golf, do you think golf is an elite sport and like you're part of like a, no, a specific not club? At all. Do when you when you when you post about like that <laughs> that whoop strap, is it like oh? Yeah, the whoop it, strap it's just like just weird. It's like what is like what need is that fulfilling? Like everything we do fulfills some sort yeah, of need, and and I'm just actually curious because I I'm yet to meet somebody who actually plays the the Instagram game for not social purposes, um, but I'm just I'm just genuinely curious that maybe if Sam you're Harris. Telling, yeah, yeah, but hold on, but this guy's so advanced. He's so well advanced than more of us that I would believe he's doing it properly. And he probably delegates some stuff so he doesn't fall into it. He might not look at comments. He might just post and ghost. There's ways to do that. I'm just saying, when Jordan Peterson makes the decision to get out of Twitter for this main reason, and that there's people who play this strategically through others, I'm just actually curious. If your main goal, you're always running from this childhood that you don't want your kids to experience, and that your main goal is wealth accumulation, and that's the game you generally want to win, why are you voluntarily, in my eyes, choosing to play another game that it has a side effect that plays into your ego. It seems to me like you're like, you're just attaching this giant anchor to your 
ankle. Yeah. No, I, I see your point. Like, I would even go so far as to say that, like, my participation on Instagram for anything personal is, is of that nature. Like, any time I spend looking at other people's social life is just the same as posting about my own. Right? Yeah, it's part like of playing a game no, is to sure. keep track of your competition. And that's yeah. what social media is. You're just keeping track. Oh, this guy bought this new watch. He got this chain. He got this bow. He got this Range Rover. Yeah, no, no, no. I would say it's actually not about what I've posted. I mean, it is, but it's also more about what I'm looking at, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it goes both ways. So I'm just generally wondering, like, like, if you're actually telling me what is true, that you just want the best for your kids, that you actually want to try to achieve mm. peace, you want to get rid of your ego, you're tired of being neurotic, you're tired of being a micromanager, whatever you want to label, if you're actually telling me what is true, then for every day that you have that app downloaded on your phone, you're living a contradiction. Hey guys, Austin here. Just wanted to check in mid-episode and thank you so much for your ongoing listenership and commitment to the podcast. We have some of the most enormously positive data with regards to how long our listeners listen to episodes for, meaning we can tell the vast majority of our listeners listen right from the first to the last second of the recording, which in the world of podcasting is just completely unheard of. So we wanted to just stop in here mid-episode and say, thank you for being you. You guys are absolutely awesome. Because of this overwhelmingly positive data over the last two years, we decided it would be a great idea for both us and our listeners to launch a Patreon. A Patreon is essentially a platform that you can subscribe to to get more connected with myself, John and Ammer, and the podcast as a whole. So whether you're a massive fan of the podcast and want to get direct individual coaching from myself, Ammer, or John, or want to just have early access to episodes and chip in a few dollars a month to help us take this podcast to the next level, bring on more guests and provide more value, there are tiers that are built for you, I can guarantee it. If you wanted to look into Patreon, get more information about how you could gain more value through the podcast and really augment your listening experience, you can check out our link in our Instagram at the weekly call pod on Instagram, or simply press pause on this episode, go into the show notes, click the Patreon link and check out more details about the tiers we have available there. Thanks so much guys. And thank you so much for continuing to listening to the weekly call podcast. Now back to the episode. That's I think the I am. Yeah. And that's just the logical thing that I just don't want to just exist Ever, unnoticed. That is a beautiful, beautiful full circle conceptualization or, or not it's not a conceptualization it's a th- whatever you want to call it a theoretical model of how my i was unaware of how my what i'm truly passionate about running to slash running from and the reasons for why i'm doing that are contradicted with what i do with my time and i can see how that's possible yeah. and i can see how that's present yeah i would say that my involvement with social media is literally and objectively antithetical to being 100% all in on that. I get that. Thank you. Let's go. And, and that's all I want. Thank you. I know. And, 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 and what I'm saying is that I think what I end up doing and, and first and foremost, I want to like, I want to fully acknowledge that that's present and then go on to how I, blindly made that choice and rationalization is I conflate social media time with time off. Oh man. You see what I'm saying? 
So like I take a, you know, a 10 minute break during the day from working. I'm on, I'm going to check Instagram, Yeah. but that's yeah. what I chalk up to like what I do with my free time. It's like, if but, you but, were to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Like I, I don't Austin, actually imagine, just imagine, imagine this reality. Just imagine this really for every time, instead of checking like Instagram, you just called Miranda out of the blue and you, and you just like complimented her on something and told her that you loved her. How would that compound? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, Amber, you know what? I do agree with John. That would get weird, but I Allison, I, get I don't point. listen. I, get the point. I, get yeah, the point. I think you're getting get my point. point. I also, before we go on, uh, I just want to yeah, share. Let's do that, versus wise here. I just want to share that uh, on November 20th, I shared an Instagram story that John would appreciate. Smith, um, versus, Smith versus Wesson. Smith and Wesson. No, no, it was uh, a, a share of someone else's post saying, due to inflation, Jay Z now has 112.69 problems. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> i like that one so I, that's kind of like the bulk of the stuff i share but like, i like that one a lot actually <laughs> yeah all right thank you austin you're welcome <sighs> okay let me just take a peek here Austin, have you been listening to the Goodnight Austin segments like you said you would? I did, man. Actually, oh, okay, the, 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 all of them? The, you caught up? No, I listened to one of them. The discussion oh. where you guys talked about uh, like friends that you used to be friends with, and John was talking about his friend Sean, was it? The, fo- the football player in high school? Yeah. Very powerful share. I actually had the, the, the friend that I was talking about in that share in my car, listen to that whole conversation and have him self-assess himself if he was a good quality individual or not. And yeah, if you, no, if, and you shared that. Oh, I, I forgot I shared You that. talked yeah. about you showing him that yeah, yeah. audio clip. And then he said he was in the middle. Yeah, and that he was actually more hurting than I ever thought he was. It was so, such a beautiful realization for him and you. Yeah, it was, it was, really, it was really cool. All right, speaking of social games, uh, can you give me screen share here? Uh, we can go a little whack versus wise. All right. So this song came out two days ago. So we're getting a fresh one, and it's already at half a million views. So... This is Blueface and DDG. And the song is called Meet This. And Meet is spelled M E A T. Meet This. Here we go. Tell me if you can hear this. Give me the thumbs up if you can hear this. Artist ice, I'm getting seasick. Shit, innocent little bitch, but she need dick. I see where we going with this one, Didi. You on that freak shit, uh, bitch. Wanna meet me in person? Tell her to meet this, Didi. Huh, I'm on some G shit. He a chicken, he ain't really with that beef shit. I can't take no LMs and no PP. 
bitch. Peep this. Click the link if you want a link, bitch. Bitch, I got the money just because of me. I only fucked with her once, but she in love with me. I got the drip, I'm mixing Louis with the double G. I took the bitch to keep me closer, she gon' fumble me. I get the wandering off. On that other bitch for that other bitch. <laughs> he a bitch, he posting guns just to cover it. Too much bread, I might fuck around and butter it. Shh, I got bitches from the edit LA. Hey, BCDD, these bitches bustin' like VVs. At the W off the X while she poppin' them ZZ. I can give a fuck less about a bitch with Chi Chi. I need ass, gas, or grass, pass me the weed. We don't really want that bitch, nigga, pass her to me. I can never fear a nigga, all these niggas gon' bleed. Big clock, click clock, nigga, get on your feet. Do, 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 do. Bullets go do, do, do. You and you. If I was Martin, I would've shot, bro, man. Every nigga from the same hood is not your man. So I could put your bitch on a flight that's not gon' land. Bitch, I got the money just because of me. I only fucked with her. Once, but she in love with me. Wow. There we go. Right. Oh, what? Hammer, what is with your ads, buddy? I I have no idea. What are you talking about? It's Crest Pro Health Detensify. Yeah, do you about? know why I don't get toothpaste ads? Because I brush my damn teeth. That makes no sense. I'm on I'm on private browsing, man. These cookies are disabled. All right, read this. Okay. Boom, 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 man down. He thought an N-word was a joke till I ran down. I took a jet to that show. Finna land now. I'm like, bitch. You ain't no. I'm that man now. Hands down, psych. Hands up, bitch. It's a stick up. Diamonds on freeze. Don't move or even hiccup. Riding downtown with a Mac 10 in a big truck. Huh? Yeah. All right. Don't play with me. Play with your bitch butt. Bitch, I got the money just because of me. I only fucked with her once, but she in love with me. I got the drip. I'm mixing Louis with the double G. I told that bitch to keep me close or she gonna fumble me. I get to wandering off on that other bitch for that other bitch. Huh? He a bitch. He posted guns just to cover it. Too much bread, I might fuck around and butter it. <laughs> Those, I'm not gonna lie, Yo, you know, they, they uh, flow nice. Like, I don't know. You guys know that guy who is like the uh, MC in the rap battle of 8 Mile? Yeah. Like the guy who's like the yeah, host? Rabbit. Kind of. No, not Rabbit. No, what, what's no. his name? No, it's no not idea. Rabbit. What, but no. he's like at the end of the battle, he's like, "So let me hear it for B Rabbit," and then they all che- and then they all cheer, and then he's like, "And let me hear it for and whatever the other guy's name is." I yeah. feel like we should do that for Wack versus Wack. No, no, <laughs> that's no. funny. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, let me see. <laughs> That'll be funny, but no, no. Let me hear it one more time for B Rabbit. Okay, uh, this, um, I got two two really short quotes here that I really like. In theory, there's no difference between theory and practice, but in practice, there is. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay, other short quote that I really like. For investing to be reliably successful, an accurate estimate of intrinsic value is the indispensable starting point. Without it, any hope for consistent success as an inventor as an investor is just that hope yeah very nice 
Um, and I actually have a quote that John sent me that I want to, like for anybody who's a, uh, a manager, consultant, coach, I think this falls, I think this falls into it. Malcolm Steve Forbes Jr., heir to the orb to the Forbes publishing dynasty once confessed my grandfather mm. told me you make more selling information than you do following it so let that be a warning such a good quote i remember that one it's a good one i i, I that, that's probably like my 12th time reading it that's such a good and, quote and that's the that's like a, the epitome for me on what where ego can sneak up on me when i when i actually stop practicing what i preach when i when i yeah so that was gold john so thanks for sending me that anyway boys great chatting with you i have to head out i'm gonna go do a uh do a test for my gun license so good luck remember your your shotgun chokes <laughs> Okay, cheers, boys. All right, cheers. That was the only uh, question hey, I got. Small wrong. miss, small John. Yeah. Um, yo, Ammer. Yo. How big was this fucking storm in Toronto? Was it big? <laughs> I don't know, man. I was just doing a sales call the whole time. I actually have no clue. You're such a little fucking snail. I I, I, I I wake up at mean? ten. I, I don't know, bro. I was just no, doing a sales just, call the whole time. Let me just Where tell you, you, like. I, I woke I woke How up. How is that an acceptable response? Listen, listen. I woke up at 10 a.m. I did my morning routine, did my sales call. It was it went for three hours, and then one sales call went for three hours. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, a sales call meaning like, I don't know what your sales process is like, but this is like the last appointment. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah, I I drive real value, and then. And then I opened up the window and it was like, oh, like my stool is like on the floor. The chair was like, all oh, over. it's raining horizontally at my face. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, was, I was just so focused. And then I called my dad. I'm like, well, you know, you, you're still going on that bike ride because my dad want to go on a bike ride. And uh, you're like, sorry, pops. He's like, I don't know if you just saw it's like a hurricane that just flew through. I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right. So no, I, I completely missed it, man. But. I, I I wanted to share with you. Um. Yeah. I got a missed call, so I went to get my blood tested. Like two weeks ago, and you have to request like what what you tests you want done to your blood. So I requested everything, and. Uh, only one of them came back, and it was for my like uh, my blood cell count. Why did you get a blood test? Uh, I haven't had a blood test in like many years. So you just like were like, "Hey, time to get a blood test." Yeah, like I want to diagnose my current health situation and see oh, okay. where where I lack or oh, don't cool. like. Okay. And I only got one of the tests back, and it was around my my blood cell count, and I have low white blood cells. Like my white blood cell count is relatively low compared to the average. And that can mean a whole bunch of crazy shit. So I'm like, all right, what about the other tests, doc? And he was like, we didn't get them back. You're going to have to go and schedule an appointment. So I scheduled an appointment for like, you know, two weeks later. Saturday comes around and I woke up to a missed call at like 7 a.m. from the clinic. 
I'm like, that can't be good. What What is this about? What are they doing? Um, Call me on a, it's 7 a.m. on a Saturday, right? Yeah, I think it was even a Sunday. Something, something crazy. And I was like, what is going on here? And I got all worried. And uh, I remember reading the quote the day before that was shared on our Patreon group call, which is... Uh, Worrying is a misuse of your imagination? Yeah. And I read yeah. that. I'm like, oh, that's so true. And then, boom, I'm right <laughs> in it. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. Uh-oh, how, now how I got to really practice. How do I that? deal with this? One of the ways that I found to deal with worry is to actually just do some negative visualization. Um, which is actually one of the philosophers that I used to read. I forgot who it was. I have it in my notes. Who talks about like death and people who are scared of death or like having family members die. Um, I, I think I did some reading on this like a year and a half ago or a year ago. Uh, and basically he says like just actually most people who are afraid of death or family members dying have not accepted the fact that like, you know, your your brother might die one day. Your mom might die one day. Your sister might die one day. Not might. Like they just will whether you die before them or after them, like that's just, there's so many things at play. So a lot of people just don't think about that. So that when they do think about it, it's for the first time and it's usually during a distressful time. Right, right. So just like going through the motions and understanding that, you know, life is fragile, that nothing is guaranteed, that there are all these illusions that we put ourselves through, that things can just last forever. I decided to put myself through that exercise because I started to feel like stressed for the first time in a long time. I, usually, I don't usually experience stress. Um, primarily with, with the way I set up my life, like it's just low stress, like the way I built my business, a lot of, a lot of time and thought was put into the effect it would have on me from an anxiety perspective. Cause I can really, this business would have looked like anything really. And I wanted to make sure to accomplish that for me personally. Um, and, uh, I was sitting there waiting for the doctor to come out so I can go in the room and he'll tell me the diagnosis. And I did the dumb thing. I looked up what blood cell count meant on oh, Google. Dude, isn't it mostly uh, cancer? Yeah, leukemia. Very bad cancers too. And it was just like, yeah. there's, there is a reality where I die in the next six months. That, that just exists. And that, and that scared me. And I'm like, whoa. Okay, that so you is... imagined that to scare you, like negative so, visualization. Right? Yeah, so no, but like I didn't follow that train of thought, but I, that was scaring me. So then I, I remember I sat down, I took off my music and I'm like, I'm not going to just drown this out. I'm going to actually sit here and actually imagine what would happen if I died six months from now. Right. And I imagine what would happen to this podcast. I would imagine how you would make that announcement. Like after I'm dead, mm. I imagine like what you and John would still do. I'd imagine what my mom would be doing. I'd imagine what my brother would think about that. Would, would like, would my brother cry because he misses me? Would he cry because he feels I didn't hit my potential? What would that look like? My, both my brothers. Mm -hmm. I imagine my dad, would he feel like he failed, you know, sacrificing so much of his life to get me here for only to die so young? I thought about my friends. Like I just, I just went through that path mm -hmm. and I'm like, let's, let's pretend that I am dying in six months. How can I, experience happiness every single day for the next six months. And the conclusion I came to was I just needed to be present. Because all of a sudden, when you remove the future, which is what happened in that scenario, you were only forced with one thing, which is the present and the past. The future just does not exist. It's capped till six months. 
So I'll, I'll pause here in my share. I just want to kind of, I see you're reacting right now. Yeah, what's going through your mind? Dude, you're gonna make me cry here, man. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> yeah, it is. And also the level of which you're capable of ne- negatively visualizing. Like I, I would also, I guess I'd be capable of it, but I guess like just the, the depth of your visualization, right? I think that, I, I learned that, by the way, I learned that from Landmark, when you're trying to restore integrity, you have to be really good at analyzing the impacts for the other person. You have to be extremely empathetic. So uh, just years of practicing and restoring integrity have gotten me really good at negatively visualizing what would happen if I kept breaking my commitments to people. And I guess the, com- the unsaid commitment, you know, because commitments and expectations get mangled up. And in my opinion, um, expectations fall under commitments. If I expect you, Austin, to be alive for the rest of my life, and then you say something else, that is completely out of integrity for me. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? So, yeah, what were you saying? I'd have to, like, reset my commitments and expectations of you. And And in that room, in that silly room, in that clinic, I started resetting my expectations on what it would look like with all my friendships, with all my goals, with all the places I wanted to travel, I asked myself, would I do a sales call tomorrow if I knew I was dying in six months? Would I drop everything and, and just go on trips yeah, with my mom? Like? I came to the conclusion that you came to. I'm like, I don't know the real answer, but I'm like, let's look at what happened to Austin when he dropped everything so he can enjoy the present, when he dropped all commitments, dropped everything, he didn't find any happiness. And then I looked at somebody like Alex Hermosi, who reached the $100 million mark and could easily retire and coast making $4 million a year. And his lack of happiness when he stopped, just when he just took the traveling, bought like a fancy car, did this thing, and he experienced sadness. I just basically made the same conclusion that all these people made for me, which is, I actually would probably be more miserable if I didn't just just did what brought me fulfillment, which was doing work, like toiling. Like I, I thought about, okay, who would be my successor in TradeArc? I don't want the business to shut down. I'm going to have to transfer my shares to somebody. Who would that be? And I had a couple of examples of people in my head who I would approach. And it was just a very interesting exercise that removed all stress. And then here I was sitting down in this clinic and I was just like, man, like, what would I actually like regret here? And then I remember, and I started noticing stuff, I became truly present, I truly became present, because I started believing I was going to die in six months, based on this exercise. And then I started looking at my body, I like looked at my hands, I'm like, I feel like I did a pretty good job with my body. Like, I think I've taken care of it. Okay, that, that's kind of good. What about like my, like my brain? What is, is there things that I wish I would have learned? And then I started noticing all these trees in the parking lot, around the street, in the background. And I'm like, I have never actually looked at a tree properly before. It was just a random thing. It just happened to be there. Yeah. And I just looked at it. I'm like, I actually don't know how to identify a maple tree or an oak tree or a birch tree. I don't know what the difference is between a white ash and a black ash. And I would know some of my friends who can tell the difference. But like, here's this thing, like this organism that exists on earth that I just never learned how to identify. And I'm like, I think it would be kind of fun to try and learn some of this stuff. And that just happened to be the quirky thing that I chose. But the next thing I did in that moment was I pulled up my phone and I'm like, 
typed in how to identify trees. And that's all I read while I waited for the doctor to come out. And it brought me a little bit of a little bit of happiness. I'm like, oh. I looked at the window and I was able to realize, like, oh, that's that's actually a green ash. And I actually have a couple of them outside of my condo, but that I've walked by probably close to a thousand times, but never truly noticed. Um, and, you know, you hear the cliche, sometimes you follow these cliche sayings, you know, stop to smell the flowers, stop and look at the trees. It's like, okay, now I get it. It's like, stop trying to chase whatever you're trying to chase and just be more present. Because really, the future doesn't actually exist, neither the past, only the present. So that was a blessing in disguise. And, you know, the doctor came and we sat down. And um, he, uh, he, he's a really good doctor because he has really good bedside manners, and, which is something I've kind of realized, like part of running a good painting business is you need bedside manners. Like you need to be able to talk to your customer and, and cut through any conflict that they may be afraid of. And, and the, first sure. thing he, the first thing he told me, is like, oh, I am, or I hope you have a will. <laughs> I'm like, I started laughing. <laughs> and he was like, well, yeah, no, you're totally healthy. Let's just sit down. Here's some things we need to work on. And I was like, okay, cool. And it was, uh, wow. So, so what and, was and, it? Uh, I, I just have low white blood cell count, but everything else is good. And that's like normal for some people. And you just need to work on specific things to improve it. I'm like highly deficient in vitamin D. So there's, uh, there's just things that I can do to, to protect myself, to build up my immune system. Um, but Interesting. Yeah. So that was my little experience. And if you're wondering, oh, Amra, you know, oh, am I going to become a, a tree nerd? I don't, I don't know. But every now and then, like now when I'm walking outside and I walk by a tree and I don't know what it is, I'm like, I get, I pull up this app where you take a photo of the, the leaf, the trunk, and the overall just outline of it. And it tells you what tree it is. So <laughs> I know, man, it's really, it's so cool. That is so sick. So yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, one thing I added to my toolbox to be more present when I'm walking is not just listening to a podcast or be lost in thought, but just be present. And sometimes to be present while walking can be kind of not very pleasurable because you just want to get to your end destination. But now that I know how to identify trees, I can walk a little bit slower because I'm now just like looking and, mm -hmm. you know, to identify a tree, you got to look at the leaf and its stem and how it's connected and its veins and the outline of the leaf. And does it have any flowers or fruit to attach to it? How tall is it? It's, 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 it's pretty fun. And it, it just helps me be more present and just appreciate some of these things that are on this earth. And um, yeah, I was kind of like a little bit subconscious to share this with you because I'm like, I feel like this is a realization an 80-year-old makes when they're at the end of their life. And the fact that I'm making some of these realizations, I feel like pretty cool about, but a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting when I first uh well for, first of all that was I was it's it's great to hear or it's insightful to hear what you did when you were dealing with uncertainty and uncertainty that could dictate your the course of your life, right? It was an interesting tool that I haven't used since running my painting business because I usually found myself just paralyzed by anxiety and fear that oh what if like my employees didn't do this and didn't do that and then I actually sat down once and actually said 
No, really, what if a painter fell off the ladder and mm. broke his leg? And then I created a system for it so that I can just take it off my mind. What if I got a one-star review? What right. if a customer last minute decided not to pay me the $20,000 check? What would happen? And then I started solving all those things. And all of a sudden, I got a little bit of peace. I'm like, oh, I'm prepared for it. Right. Like, whatever happened. So, yeah, it was, it was very interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah. Thanks for the praise, but I feel like there's a lot more work to still be done. And I feel like a lot of old people have solved some of these things that we're spending so much of our time trying oh, to solve, yeah. which is why I'm so going so deep with listening to Warren Buffett and his and and his uh, teaching philosophies, et cetera. Yeah, it is weird to think though, eh, that like one day we'll, the three of us will just be dead. If you're thinking about it for the first time, but. It, it's no longer weird for me to imagine. Like, it, it is weird to think that, like, everybody who you've seen today in your life, like, driving, we'll, walking. Yeah, will continue to exist without me. That's that's the that's the yeah, scary thought that I had. For sure. For sure, for sure. That is another scary thought. But also just understanding, like, how everyone that you've seen today, tomorrow, and yesterday walking around will be dead, statistically speaking, within 90 to a hundred years easily at the very yeah. most. Yeah. So um just thinking about and then thinking about those people that you see, right? Just people walking around, driving that you pass in their car, going for a run, you know, they're biking beside you in your car. You look out your window, you see your neighbor, you see people driving like all the way over there and like, you know, yeah, that's my a window, dude. I can see everything. But it's yeah. like, think about, okay, they're going to all be dead in 90 to 100 years. But then also think about all the worries and distress that's like crippling them right now. And then just think about how insignificant that is. Yeah, and I know. Like, if you look at, like, there's this thing that Tim Ferriss had a guy on his podcast that talks about cosmic insignificance therapy. Yeah, the, the meditation where you zoom out. and Yeah. Dude, it is mind-bending to see how, well, how, how, like, literally you think. You want to talk about getting rid of your ego? You do that. Fuck, oh, man. It's insane. Yeah, but where, I think where, most, where, where I faulted was I always thought about 90 years ahead. I wasn't thinking like, like 90 days or six months from now. Yeah. Like, I, I think it might be worth like an exercise. Like, just really imagine like what would happen. Like, if, you know, when you had that truck crash. I had to visually like I, I was like I was really caught off by that, and I was like, because remember I kept asking you how you're feeling and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was mostly for me, because I, I just didn't. I, I thought, okay, every Sunday I turn this on, like you're both there, and yeah. I was just like, well, hold on, like that's just like a prediction. Yeah, and then and, uh, and here's yeah. the other crazy thing. It's like when I was thinking about my leukemia thing or having cancer, I was just like, this part of me just accepted. I was like thinking like, oh. You always read one in three people have get cancer. One in a hundred thousand get this. I looked up odds of getting leukemia in your twenties. I was like one in a hundred thousand. I'm like somebody has to be that one. Maybe this happens to be me. And that was a crazy thought as well. I look at those things the same way too. It. I don't know. Some people might say, "Oh, this is unhealthy. Like it can cause anxiety." I'm only speaking for myself. Giving the tools that I have, my mental work of lattice. The, the work I've done to achieve some sort of peace of mind and what I can do to control 
um, I've been able to go in into that in a controlled manner. I know maybe some people can go into it in an uncontrolled manner and then they just become Cassandras. And I, I learned that word from um, reading something. I, don't, I can't remember. But a Cassandra is a doomsayer, somebody who says that it's the end what? of the world. Yeah, I know. R.I.P. To, to girls named Cassandra. Cassandra, sucks. yeah, I know. It's so funny. Jeez. But a Cassandra is one who preaches about doom and impending doom. That's that's what a Cassandra is from this one place I read. I forget where it was, but wow. it was it was it was a dated piece of literature. But yeah. Yeah. Like there, you can go deep with this. It's like like if well, you die, yeah. you, like I imagine this. If I died, my friend would probably post me on his Instagram story. <laughs> And that's kind of weird to think about because, like, in 24 hours, it disappears. Or It is. It is. Or I, like, you know, I, I would definitely, like, post something with you, you know? <laughs> like, seriously, though, but it wouldn't be, like, I don't know. I would just, but this I would is just, how crazy, fragile life is. If I, I know, died, dude, I, know. It's I, I would be on so... some people's stories, some posts would be made, and then everybody would just move on. And that's not a bad thing. That's just what life is. It's like this flowing river. It's just people just move on. And I don't think people have thought about that themselves. They think it's like, oh, when I die, the world will stop. It's like, no, if you happen to die on a Wednesday, like payroll is still going to get run. Like, you know, like <laughs> you know, people, people are just still going to have to run payroll. Like uh, yeah, somebody's going to have to manage your bank account. It, it, you know, it's like you will show up on somebody's Snapchat story. You you will get talked about in the bar for like maybe two weeks at most Pretty at nice. most and and then and then and then that's it. It's like oh you know this Amber guy, that's kind of unfortunate. He was so young, but that's what life is. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think this is just what it is, and I think pretending anything that it isn't can sometimes be a little bit, uh, to your detriment. I'm getting all this by the way from in parts of different places, but I would recommend Austin if you're trying to get back into reading. Um, I think you should ease yourself in. Don't pick up a heavy book. I have this book for you. It's a hundred pages. It's told in a in a way that it's a story, so it's very easy to follow. It's cut up into nice and cheat, nice and neat twenty page chapters. Mm. The font is pretty big too, and it's a small book. It's called Siddhartha, and it's written by Herman Hess. Okay. Um, I think you'll love it. It's based on a true story. What's and it it's, about? Give me, a, give me a little rundown. Let's see. Let's see if Google can help me out here. It's a story of a wealthy Indian uh, citizen who who lives who's who was who who was born in, in high up in the caste system who lived a life of privilege who went out to seek a life of uh, who 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 went out to seek spiritual fulfillment published in 1922 yeah well yeah so i i think you should pick it up man and if you don't like it after you finish it i'll just refund you I'll personally refund you. Dude, you don't have to sell me that hard on it. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll definitely read it. <laughs> uh, some of my friends need that, so that's just I'm just kind of used to saying that. 
Um, yeah, man, that's, uh, back, I guess we kind of drifted off into the reading part, but like, I was, I was just thinking about that, this whole idea of dying recently. Um, my grandfather that we had on the podcast, uh, remember like about, of course, when was that? Probably two, like two years ago. A year feels ago. like it. It feels like, I don't know. Probably a year ago around this time. Um, I think it's episode 90 or 91. If you're listening now, we had my grandfather on, who's a, a former Naval submarine captain and, uh, just an amazing, uh, very wise man and great leader. Um, he, we had his 80th birthday, uh, last weekend and, um, he's not doing too well. Like he, uh, his body, you can tell like genetically speaking, you just get Delta hand, right? Like his body's just kind of like giving up a little bit. His brain is still completely the same guy, but like, you know, he gets a little cut on his leg and then that cut never heals. His body's just like not interested in healing this cut. And so over the course of months, like this little, I'm talking like a little cut, like, you know, like you walk in like a, into like a, by like a thorn bush and it just like scrapes your leg and and you start to bleed a little bit. That, that's what I'm talking about. That level of cut, just the littlest thing. Over the course of like four months, this cut festered into like this massive wound that his body just was never going to heal. And it's like, how do you treat a body that isn't healing? Right. And then because he's lying on his back in a hospital, he gets like this sore, like his back starts to get fucked. And then and then something happens to his other leg. And now it's like, geez, you can't even touch the guy because you might like scrape him. And then, you know, it's like literally his body's just like disintegrating. And, you know, the doctors are just you can see doctors who like are very intelligent people just like, you know, what are you going to what are you going to do? You just got to keep him alive. Right. And so now, like about I'm going to say like eight months later he's finally coming out of this where like he's had enough rest. He's they've really focused on like nutrition and giving his body what it needs to like actually try and heal these wounds. And, uh, and, and, and it's working like his body's finally taking the, I guess the, 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 the lifestyle and regiment that, that was better for him, I guess it wasn't like he was a particularly unhealthy guy before, but whatever. Um, but you know, he's never going to be able to really use his legs anymore. Like that's how far it's gotten. Like both his legs are not really, he's never going to really be able to walk again. His, his legs are just like really swollen and he has circulation issues. Isn't that crazy to think about that one day you're going to walk shutting down. Yeah. It's just, and then just, that was, that was your last walk. Yeah. It was your last walk. Yeah. Holy man. So like to get in and out of bed now, they have to get like that, like that. There's like, I don't know if you noticed in a hospital, there's like this little rail on the ceiling. I always wondered what the hell that was for. Like, it's not attached to the curtains. There's just like an actual rail. It looks like a little train track on the ceiling. There's like a machine that comes in and it like, you put it on this rail and it like moves people with like a harness. Like it, he gets in this harness in his bed and it like lifts him out of his bed and like puts him in his wheelchair. And I was like, man, that's crazy. a a year ago, I was going on a walk with this guy. You know, and two years ago, 
um, he wasn't living in like, or I guess three years ago, he wasn't living in an old folks home. And like five years ago, I was able to like go to like a baseball game with him and he could walk up like 10 flights of stairs. Right. Um, and it just goes to show you like health and I can see it weigh on. I'm like, dude, it was crazy because I was so glad we did the podcast when we did, because I went back and listened to the podcast a few weeks ago when he was really not doing well because he was really getting in his own head. Like he's a really well poised leader. He's, he's super, he's just always a voice of reason and certainty for my entire family and mainly my mom and my, and myself. Like if you ever have a doubt or a question or you're looking for like any sort of advice, perspective or guidance, you got to ask Terry, like this guy would captain ships of hundreds uh, of naval officers and be underwater for months at a time. And he would manage this vessel underwater. Think about what that means, right? Like, that many men underwater for that much time think about the amount of like arguments conflict personnel management all that shit that's all going through him like he's just an amazing communicator an amazing guy and so like he's always able to offer this amazing perspective and then to see him get extremely distraught negative and borderline depressed like like i go in to see him I'm like hey how's it going he's like how's it look i'm like man who's this guy you know, like, and just to see that, you know, if something can shake him, you know, it really shook my mom and I, cause we were like, it's so weird. Like, you know, you probably have those people in your life, Amber. Like if you ever saw them like fully, like with a fuck it attitude, like screw this kind of life sucks mentality, right? You'd probably get completely thrown off, right? Like imagine like who, like some people that we know mutually, like if you were to say like Chris or Pat be like that, you'd be like, what's going on? You know, like this is the antichrist of your existence. And that's the level of like polarity of like how things landed versus how he used to be. Um, And it just made me realize like, man, if you don't have your health, when you start to lose your health, anything's possible right like it that i i, I that, that's what i learned from that because i was like if you were to if you were to ask me who's the one guy who could literally get hit by a truck have all of his limbs amputated and still be like generally unshook i'd say my grandfather you know and then all it took was that and he was like a different guy because you could tell he was like wow this is so embarrassing like you know six months ago i had a cut on my leg and now this nurse is changing my diaper. You know, what gives? Like, what the hell? Right? Like, he was actually pissed, bothered, depressed, upset, whatever. And um, and just to see that, like, and now he's coming out of it. And he's his, his attitude's getting a lot better. And we had his 80th birthday. And, like, family from Toronto came down to see him. We had, like, a picnic in the garden outside of his hospital. It was just beautiful. Like, he was super happy to have everyone there. He wasn't embarrassed about his state. Um, he was cracking jokes. He was really, it was just like, everyone was just super excited to see him kind of back to normal. But at the same time, he's 80 and he's not going to be around for another 10 years. Right. So it's just like realizing, uh, you know, this man means a lot to me and I look up to him and then to see something shook, shake him. It made me really realize like, what are your, how much would it take me to get shook that way? How much would it take you to get shook that way? You know? 
Man, life just inherently uh, uh, on its surface is just kind of scary. <laughs> you know, it, it can be, it can be. There's just like a lot to it that you it don't is. think about. And there's so many cool things that we can distract ourselves with, um, which is why I think like, you know, yeah. like if you, if you invest in like Meta or Facebook, Instagram, even Snapchat, TikTok, like I, I think one of the main reasons those businesses I think are going to stick around is because they even video games, movies, in, it, like entertainment is a form of escapism. You, you can just look at the main character in another planet with the storyline where he's like dodging fires and missiles and orcs and whatever. And you can get lost in it. And you don't have to wonder about your health or your dad's health, or your mom's health or your brother's situation or your situation. or And, um, and like... Uh, Probably the biggest thing I got when I kind of disconnected is is you ha you're you're forced to just look life square in the eye. You're just forced to look at it. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is what I look like. Oh, never noticed this. Or this is how good my business is doing like this is it this is just it uh this is my these are my urges and um yeah man i, I think just the way we judge ourselves is so crazy it is it it's very and, strange um, that's why i think that came comes back to the mirror we talked about yeah remember we talked about the mirror it's like how much you judge others is exactly how you judge yourself. So I, I think I think that may be an opportunity for you to sit down with Terry, because I think Terry has given you a lot throughout his life that mm -hmm. it might be worth going back to him and offering some of your stuff. But maybe Terry is judging himself because maybe he judged his dad when he was sick and he thought he was weak because, you know, an mm. army an army soldier never falters. Like, that. I mean, that's not too out of the ordinary for maybe Terry to have that type of belief and judgment. That's interesting, yeah. I never, I never thought about that. I had a conversation with him about his, his mental health. But a lot of people really... in the army have that, man. Yeah. Or, like, if they get disarmably discharged or they're injured they, or whatever they see their friend die in battle and they think it's them like that's just all judgment that's just like uh, kills people man yeah um obviously this is all a hypothesis i've never experienced such atrocities mm -hmm. i'm so babied and privileged with the life i live yeah but uh just speaking from my experience it seems uh yeah seems very, plausible uh, very very interesting that like Uh, I think his name is Joe Dispenza. Does that sound familiar? The, the psychologist? Dr. Mm. Joe Dispenza. Anyways, yeah. And I should probably know this. I think this quote is actually in our podcast introduction. The, uh... Let's see here, I want to get... Oh, you, you get sick with your thoughts or something? Our thoughts truly can make us sick? Yeah. Well, it's like we're the only, um... Yeah, Joe Dispenza. We're the only species that has existed, to our knowledge, that has a neocortex 
big enough to change the way we feel and act based on thought alone. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And that is so extreme. Like I can sit here and and actually think about certain things. And like I can think about things that stress me out and that I'm not looking forward to, right? Um and I can produce negative emotion with that and I can produce uncomfortable thoughts and I could put myself in an uncomfortable state and I will literally, if I live there, I will ruin my life. Like my life will literally just start to fall apart if I just choose to think about those things. And then the opposite's true. It's like, it's almost like we are in a simulation, I think. Like it is actually insane. Like how is that possible, right? Like you look at, you look yeah. at like a wolf or, or a dog, they're not capable of doing that. It's almost like ignorance is bliss type thing, right? Like, because my grandfather is capable of negatively self-reflecting on his state, it worsens his state. But that's the last thing he needs. It's like, well, that's the confirmation bias. It's like what you think is what you think about. So all of a sudden that's all you see. Yeah. What do you got planned for this week? One day I'm going to be in that position of some kind. Like I'm going to get old enough to the point where if I don't die in a tragic accident, I'm going to get old enough where something unfortunately Something unfortunate health related happens to me, right? Like, I'm gonna, dude, dude, the, you have two arms and two legs, and you can walk. Like, that's just like, I felt that the other day. I'm like, uh, when I got my um, my blood test, my arm was like sore and I couldn't yeah. use it fully. And I was like, imagine it's like, what if I just didn't have legs? Like, what would my life look like? And then I'm like, oh, but so I went down that path, and then when I snapped out of it, I'm like, but I do have legs, and I'm lucky to have legs and move mm-hmm. around and. You know, I get to practice that gratitude. And yeah. That's the cool, cool thing about doing yeah. kind of a gratitude journal. Sometimes I would literally write down the funniest things. Like, you know, to live in an air-conditioned apartment. Because, man, if your apartment wasn't air-conditioned, like, that sucks, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like this, is, this is actually why, Austin, um, I plan my life around the, the, these calls as much as I possibly can. Cause it's during these calls that I get to just face the beast most of the time. Mm, yeah. I just see, see it for how it really is. Cause I have somebody there, you and John, you can just kind of show me. It's like, here, look, you're missing it. Look, mm-hmm. look, contradiction doesn't make sense. Yeah. Do what you need to do. But well, I this want just you to know every time I open my Instagram app now, I'm going to think that I'm literally not doing my life's purpose. No, 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 it's not even that. It's like you're actually letting down your kids. <laughs> Dude. No, but that's what it is. When I you understand. tell me you're making a contradiction, you're actually letting down Miranda and your future kid. Maybe he can't really afford Yo, AAA, is... but no problem. Let, let me let you check and scroll through whatever you got to look at. Let's, let's, uh, you know, what let's a, see where Austin Matthews is getting traded because you know that definitely matters. When you take it, like I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I don't want to ruin nice things, but no, it gets but personal thing, right? for me, here's man. Thing. When, so, when like, you mention I'm, your kids, it gets personal. No, no, it me. does, man. It does, and I appreciate it. I'm not like I'm not yeah. distraught. I see the logic, and I see the, <laughs> yeah. I see how it's contradicting. I just think I have trouble drawing the line between like, okay, I care where Austin Matthews gets traded because I'm into sports, right? 
So how do I, I, I can't not care about that. Like that actually gives my life dude, meaning, you know, like there's I guess, things I also sense, care like, about. I go on Google Leafs roster and then I just read the news on the Leafs. If you want, I don't do that. I do that no, with something. No, no, no. Else. I'm not saying I have to, no, no, you're, you're misunderstanding. I'm not saying I yeah, have yeah. to get it from social media. I'm just saying like the fact that I follow that. I would I would go so far as to say like you looking up Leafs roster on Google isn't that the same thing as seeing something on TSN in the morning about like Austin Matthews getting traded like do you think me waking up and and I don't do this every day but I would say like fifty percent of the time I wake up and if I have time in the morning I turn on TSN when I'm like making a coffee or or, or opening my laptop to start work or whatever right. Yeah, like, I, is I, that, is that I tried. I tried to really think about sports. Is sports a way of escapism? Is that you living your dream through somebody else? Like, what? Like, is entertainment all of that? Is entertainment bad? Is it good? Right. Why do we? Why do we get joy from watching a, a sports game? Like when you get lost in it and you get to cheer. I don't know. I I haven't reached a conclusive. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like I, to know uh, what you think about that. For me, I actually think it. Like I, I totally get the Instagram and social media component fully. Yeah, that's easy. On that. Yeah, but like the sports, sports thing is thing, interesting. I, can't, I don't. Here, here's I my could. thoughts. Here are my premature thoughts on sports. If 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 you watch sports for the sake of seeing experts perform, that's always interesting. It's like oh, like this, like you know, you see, yeah. um, you see McElroy get out of that sand pit and put yeah. it right in, or or. Yeah. You see Bubba hit a crazy drive. That's Dude, like you are perfect. into golf now, aren't you, you fuck? You watch no, this it's, now. It's just running in the back. Well, no, no, no. You know it now. You know it now. <laughs> You're into golf. But but it's like when you watch that, it's like, oh, that's actually fascinating. And then when I watch that, I'm like, oh, that's what happens when you just dedicate your life to something. You get oohs and ahs and you get 100%, impressive feats. 100%. I think if you get too much in the weeds where it's like your your emotions are dictated on your team's losses and wins. I think that can be a disadvantage if your emotions are that driven by such an external factor, something that you can't control. Um, plus, you can add into that bucket if you if you care about sports and you're cheering for a specific team, then it doesn't really matter who's on that team. So it actually doesn't matter who gets traded. Your main eye should be who's the general manager. Do I trust the general manager? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, you're evaluating a business. One of the main things you want to do is you want to look at the management of the business. Mm-hmm. But imagine if you and I started cheering. If we got an employee from like, you know, let's say we're investing in Goldman Sachs and we like we just started keeping track on, oh, yo, they just hired the best sales guy from Berkshire to come into Goldman Sachs. Yes. Oh, man. Our sales quarter is definitely going to be up. You're saying, why don't we why don't we do that instead? Like maybe you should just look at the management and and, and all that. This is just me looking. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't. See, you can I, say about I, players I influence the, the game I see the a point, lot more. but I'm just like, yeah. Sports is also a culture, right? Like, I was definitely raised into a family that really likes certain sports, and so, like, to me, I've, 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 co, sure. I, I've coupled the idea of enjoying or, or things that I enjoy doing with sports because that's how my family raised me, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, and and I'm sure you know this, but that's fallacy of tradition. Just because your family does something and they've no, done it for no, a no. while, right? I mean, it's mean... fallacy. It's not necessarily a tradition. It's not like there is a tradition of which no, tradition fallacy of tradition means it's like you do something or you believe in something because it's been done for a while. No, I'm saying that it was actually coupled as a stimulus. 
Like it's not the fact that I just do it because it's like a folklore tradition. It's because there is no tradition about watching sports. It's not oh, like there's cool. like it's just running in the background. No, it's like I actually I got into sports because I played the sports. I was watching the sports. And now there's like uh, a stimulus of the sports being on and me watching it and me getting stimulated by that. Like, oh, I like okay, that. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Like, it's not, it's not, I, I don't think it has anything to do with tradition, but gotcha. there is like a, a stimulus pairing. It's like for, you know. Um, I got you. I, I, it's like yeah. a, this correlation. It's kind of like what just happened here. It's like now we're correlating Instagram with, you know, your yeah, like child you see an attractive woman and there's a stimulus, right? Like you're like, sure, oh, wow, sure. there's an attractive person. Yeah. Sure, it's like sure. I'm watching a sports game. There's a stimulus. Different stimulus, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, but it, here's I'll, – I'll tell you this, like some feedback. Three months – now I'm like almost, you know, four months into my dopamine detox. I've That's experienced insane, something. by the way. Yeah, no, yeah. Good thanks, man. You. Appreciate, appreciate yeah. it. Here's some feedback that you can just take away from, from the share. Um, that there was a moment yesterday where I had this podcast. Oh, it was the, the it was the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting, and I wanted to listen to this song. And I connected my phone. I'm in the, I'm in my car. I have to make a decision. And I've been waiting for this day, and I I'm I'm almost here, and I want to keep it. Where I got so much stimulus from something that gave me information and knowledge and education more than listening to a song where when I connected my Bluetooth to the car it just started playing Warren Buffett answering a complicated financial question. And I got enough stimulus from that for me not to go and play that song. And that was amazing. And that was like just crazy. Um, And even earlier today, like instead of watching YouTube or Twitch or playing video games, like I usually would to blow off some time, I just started I just typed in Warren Buffett and then I went on the news and then I saw what he said on the news and then I said this company and then I clicked on that company. I went on Wikipedia and then I started learning about the previous executives of Disney and how in 1996 they didn't have as much confidence in the, on um, uh, this executive from, I, I forget his name, but it's, it's in my saved. And then I started looking at, well, hold on, who, okay, how, how rich, uh, for how long was Warren Buffett the richest man? And then, and then I started looking, well, who, who were the richest men in the 1800s? And then I started clashing. I started getting close to like how John thinks. Like the longest running person who has built the most wealth, like the richest person on earth, John D. was Cornelius Vanderbilt. Oh, wow. And how he built this like steamship uh, routes and then sold that and started going into railroads. And then when he died, his son doubled the size of his company. Doubled. You take you take a business from a billion to two billion. That's crazy. And now his son was the richest person on earth. And then Rockefeller came around. Mm. Bro, I was having so much fun. I, I even pulled up a newspaper from 1851 from the New York Times that was snapshotted. Then I just like was, was like looking for Cornelius's name uh, in the paper and how he would advertise in the paper. And I was just having so much fun. And I'm like, holy shit, this is the equivalent of me laying down on the carpet and doing carpet angels when we i used to make fun of john of that but now i get it this man has deprived himself of like these other things that are so goddamn flashy and loud and shiny that he can just enjoy his carpet he can just enjoy diving into an autobiography and i'm starting to really understand john more and more and um 
it, it is a beautiful thing, Austin. And once you get to this side, like I think you'll you'll I think you've experienced bits and pieces of it, but man, there's just something so cool about you having so much fun learning that you don't even want to watch a movie or even want to watch a YouTube video or could even care less about going on Instagram. There's just, it's just like, it was crazy. I experienced it yesterday. It seems like a small thing. It's not for me. This is a huge win. I used to be this rat spamming the rat gasm button, like in the Yale study. I would rather, you know, watch YouTube and Twitch than go make myself food. Uh, it, it was just like, I would even rather stay at home and order food than walk seven minutes to see my family. Because to me, it seemed like so much effort to be present with my family. Because it was just so much effort to be present, period. It was just all these little things I'm starting to realize. Like, I can actually hold a conversation with my brother and not just automatically start judging him or whatever. And because I'm just more present now and I'm more empathetic and I'm not as lost in the sauce. And I can just have a cool, I can go on a bike ride with my dad and he can tell me and complain about some stuff and me not judge him and still have fun with him. Mm. Like, that was a superpower, man. I no longer judge my dad and there's like plenty to judge him for. And I can just like coexist with him. There was, I, I made the, all these discoveries within the last three months when I was just like, quote unquote, literally just awake. And it, it seems small 30 minutes a day, but it really is taking up a lot of your attention, man. Way more than you can possibly imagine. And um, the, the reason I share this is twofold so that hopefully you change some of your actions. And two is that if I ever fall into the pit, I need you to pull me mm -hmm, out. For sure. How would you so? How would you propose that I do the dopamine detox while working with what I do for work? Like I, I can't not look at my computer once a day. I would say. No, 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 no. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because the dopamine detox I, challenge is actually like fully. So the. the no, but the challenge is no electronics. I use electronics every day. I have my Wi-Fi on every day. No, 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 I but like the initial three-day challenge. Like oh, I the initial three-day? But that's the thing. The initial three-day gives you more benefits than just the dopamine thing. It, it, it oh. helps you get present more, and, which yeah, is very yeah. needed, and it helps you make peace with whatever's going to happen. Right, okay, fair enough. If, if you can make peace that, that you set your people up and that they have everything needed and then you're just going to take this three-day break, you're not on vacation, you're not in Mexico, you're at your home, but you're inaccessible. If you can able to create that, this, um, this environment, this uh, artificial absence in your own apartment, it, it's just a wonderful experience that you would have never experienced before. Walking to your office and having nothing in front of you but a pen and paper. Bro, you're going to do more work during your what detox about like, than before. What about like having to like do laundry or something? Like, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, totally, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So you just can't work. No, you can work. Totally. No, no, hold up, hold up. No, you can't. Like I can't open up my computer and work on something. No, 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 but you can work with a notebook and pen. No, you probably I probably never thought that, about that. Okay, okay. Okay, I, don't patronize me. I understand what you're saying, but I know I can do work with a notebook and a pen, obviously. But I mean, like, I can't work on, like, let's say an ongoing project I have or something like this, right? Like, it's on no, my No, you can just print it out. Yeah, just print it out. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, print it out. Okay. But, man, like, it seems like a small thing, but, like, there's a re So, uh, since February, my phone has been in black and white mode. I, there's no color on my phone. It seems like a crazy thing to add. Can I do that to my iPhone? 
yeah, go open up settings. Bro, it's it's going to completely change everything cuz your phone a lot of it is around its colors. So when you take away its colors and you just Bro, you, then you're just looking what? at information. Okay, hold on. Where is the setting on my iPhone? So go to accessibility. Yeah. And you can follow along and listen. This is going to this is a complete oh, dude, game changer. I'm kind of like I don't even know why I'm nervous to do this. This is actually dude, so It's going to it's going to rob you of all color on your okay, phone, okay, which okay. will have you enjoy life more cuz there's more color to life. So look, go to accessibility. Yeah. Go to display and text size. Yeah. Scroll all the way to the bottom to color filters. Oh no, here it is. Click color filters, oh. click grayscale, and then click on. And don't turn it off until next week. Dude, what the fuck? <laughs> Yo, my whole phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god. Austin, it, it's a complete changer. Your phone becomes like a book. Like it's you're you're only extracting information that's important. Yeah. Okay, fuck this. I'm. D- you know what I'm gonna do, Hammer? I already. Be careful here. Careful what you say. I know. I know. Careful I know. What you I, know, sign I, know up I know. I'm just tired of. I'm just tired of feeling like I. Like. Yeah. Join Join John and I. It's really nice here. It's so peaceful. I'm tired of feeling like no matter how hard I work, I don't actually make the same progress that I aim to. Um, and, and it's, and it's hard to really sleep at night knowing that I'm not getting the progress that I want from my work. If so I'm. Here's something about the progress in your work. Yeah, yeah. When you don't have your phone and your laptop turned on, you're only doing active things in your business. You're no wrong, no longer in reactive mode. You're no longer fulfilling other people's to-do list, which is AKA your email inbox. All you're doing is you're actively building things in your business to move you forward, which all of a sudden is going to get you ahead of the game. Because once you print out whatever you need to print out, you're going to finish that in like a couple hours. And then you're going to get hit with a wave, this wall of boredom. And that is your muscle kind of getting sore. That's your brain being a little bit sore. Boredom is good. You want to experience boredom. Stare at that wall. Stare at the ceiling. Go walk around. It's going to hit you like a truck. You're going to feel like I, I was like, you see that door over there? I got to the mall. I was just walking around. I'm just like, oh, just like kind of hitting my head on the wall. You know, just like, ah, what do I do? You know, I do like five pushups. And then I'm like, ah, this is so boring. I'm like, ah, I want to. I want to play some CSGO right now, man. I want to play some Fortnite. It's like, it's just like I got these crazy withdrawal symptoms. Um, but then you'll sit back down and then you realize, oh man, like there's some things I've been neglecting. And then you're going to pen and paper and then you start taking some notes and then your notes are going to flow. And it's going to be incredible. Hmm. Okay. Usually, I, I send out my notes to meet with people, like the my notes that I use to prepare for my meeting with uh, with Adel and Patrick, and I already have what I wanted to cover with them, but I want to now, I think there's like a certain amount of things I need to talk to them about, but like, I kind of want to just talk to them about being absent for three days to do this. Yeah. Dude. By the way, I'm not the first person to come up with this. Okay, hold on. Um, 
Look at this. Uh, uh, Tim Ferriss. Okay. You're not ready for this. Oh my God, bro. Okay. Okay. You're going to have to read this on your own time. And if you're listening to this, read this at your own time. This is Tim Ferriss. He wrote this in 2007. You ready? It's called The Art of Letting Bad Things Happen. <laughs> so, wait, hold on. Is that pop up? There it is. It's, I'm going to put it in the chat. Just type in Tim Ferriss, The Art of Letting Bad Things Happen. And then read it. In my schedule for three days. Uh, when? Starting when? Unfortunately, based on the way I live my life, there's no wiggle room within seven days. Hey, that I don't think that's unfortunate. Uh, I think you should just plan to make yeah, it work. Yeah, May 31st, June 1st, June 2nd. Jeez. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Is the podcast, does the podcast fall in that time? No, it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, cool. I just sent you in your email inbox as well is the dopamine detox checklist. Oh, and I'm looking at my phone and it's black and white. So dude, it's amazing. You're gonna you're gonna get used to it so quickly. And then and then here's what's gonna happen. Then you're gonna get tired of looking at your phone because it's not stimulating enough. So you're gonna put it down more. This is just boring to look at. Yo, so even if I like, let's say, for example, uh, just open up Instagram, you know, the world's best application that we love here on this podcast. Yeah, all the pinks and the yellows oh and the light blues, they're just God. gone. And then you start looking at it and it's just weird. It's just weird. Yo, this is weird. Yeah. Then you start looking at Instagram differently. It's like, oh, this is just kind of odd. But but here's what here's the cool thing. All of a sudden, the best thing you can do on your phone is read, because words are black and white. So reading becomes really easy to do, and then there's less emphasis on videos and images. So all of a sudden, by turning off your colors, you've just completely flipped the paradigm of your phone, where it's optimized for words than it is for visuals. Crazy! It is optimized for words. Ha! <laughs> oh. Ammer, you're you're performing an exorcism on me right now, dude. Yeah, and here here's here's and advice. It's something that, I'm open. I'm like I'm I want the exorcism to take yeah. place. Yeah, and 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 my friend James gave me this feedback, and he uh, when you said that he he would have said, "Don't do that. Don't be that guy who can't just do things and not." That that advice just hit me so hard, which is like that little bit like that little bit of like ah, just don't even do that, because then you if mean? you don't do the dopamine detox challenge? No, 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 no. Don't do what you just did. It's like, ah, you're performing an exorcism on me. He's like, ah, I'm not ready. He's oh, like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, he, he was just like, he literally, I'm like, he asked me, well, why don't you just drop video games? Because we logically came to the conclusion that if I played video games, I'd be optimizing for not only escapism, but to win virtual games. Like, mm. I'm not, it's different than a social game. I'm playing a video game. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's, but it's not the financial game or my business game. 
So when he told me, it's like, why don't you just stop tomorrow? I'm like, oh, man, but like, oh, I got to like do this. And then he just looked at me. He's like, don't do that. Stop. Don't be that guy where if you need to do something better for your life, there's like all this pain. Just stop doing that. And then I stopped. And then the next day I stopped playing video games. I haven't played video games since. Hmm. Do you think you'll ever play video games again? I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll answer that question one day at a time. For today, I will not play video games. That's kind of what they do in AA. I don't. I just have to quit right, today. Right, right, right. I don't think tomorrow I'm playing video games, but that's all I know. That's all I know. That's all I know. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Um, okay, I gotta go. Yeah, yeah. What a, what a great uh, hour, Amber Austin solo here. Has it been an hour? What? Yeah, John that's left crazy. at nine. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, man. Okay, dude. So you're doing Amazing it. Amazing discussion. Incredible. Well, you're going to see me once more before I started, but yeah. By the way, this may sound weird, but if you need to say some goodbyes, I think you even just should. Like, if you need to post on your story, it's like, I'm going to be unavailable for three days, and that will help you to do that. No, no. Don't, don't judge yourself. Like, just do that. If you no, need to no, tell no. some of your friends. No well, I, I, did it, I did it for me. I got, like, really self-conscious. And I messaged a whole bunch of people within my social circle who relied on me through instagram to communicate with and i'm like hey man i'm just gonna be honest i'm like i'm just withdrawing oh yeah i know okay i just don't rely on instagram for communication but yeah i would understand okay good 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 but like i just oh no but snapchat was a big one for me there's only there's people that i only snapchatted that's first of all fucked but now that you're gone i know yeah yeah yeah. so now i just text everybody yeah no i don't mean that fucked because like no it was it just it was just it's just silly to me that if someone that you talk to every day you don't have their phone number it's like dude no, no. Well, yeah, that was there. That was, that was that was me. So yeah, man. So you finally had to ask a bunch of girls for their number, eh? <laughs> it, it actually hinder. It actually hinders the dating game. I gotta be honest. Oh, dude! Of course, it hinders the dating game. It yeah, kills yeah. it, man. It kills like it. The first thing but you it, do when you meet someone you like is like try and find them on social media, right? So it's like yeah, they're yeah. Gonna, they're gonna look you up and be like, oh, this guy's a loser. No, yeah, but but guess what? It put more emphasis to me to, to be more like confident in person, which naturally started happening. I'm well, yeah, way more confident yeah, in person. Of course, that's now. way more important. Yeah. Okay, Emmer. Yeah, man. It's a pleasure. I appreciate you. Good conversation. Appreciate you as well, man. Have a good night, all right? Peace. Hey, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the weekly call pod or through email at the weekly call pod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material. And just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.